0: i See-
1: welcome back to the something's Brewing podcast episode 68 68 the Yarammir Jager and Jack stanika episode Oh,
2: stickman and the yager
1: meister huh yes sir yeah he's I still, mean he's uh, still ripping it up out in
2: uh where's he from C- C- Czech Republic right yager yeah yeah yager
1: I was like Stanika. I don't know dude
2: uh Canada I don't know yeah hey he's been he wasn't he dropped like twice in the same week by Vancouver or something
1: yeah, I think so. He's—I mean—he's just not having the best time out there. But I mean, bring yeah, shout out, shout out, yeah, bring him back to Boston. Shout out to <laughs> Yarmir Yogurt too. Um, still playing out there. Um, still grinding it out. But hey, welcome back to the show. Um, obviously we took last week off. Um, Thanksgiving week, we wanted to spend the week with our families. I know Mel. Um, you had your family, your brother, and his uh his family come down. Um, for the first time in a while, I know you don't get to see him too often because he lives so far away so obviously having him come down and and you know spend time with you guys we don't want to take time away from that for the show so um, yeah, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Um, Mel, what'd you do? Hung out it Yeah was a-
2: <laughs> <clears throat> It was a good week yeah, you, you kind of mentioned it there a little bit but my brother he, he lives in Georgia with my his wife and my niece and nephew. It's not easy to get to where they live because they live in the middle of it's not just Georgia, like Atlanta, Georgia. It's like there's nothing around where he lives like, but like peanut, like peanut Farms and Jimmy Carter like there's literally <laughs> nothing there's nothing down there. Um, so I, you know I, I try to go when I can and I think I'm gonna be going back in February, but uh, I saw him, my brother, his name's Chris. I saw Chris uh, in July for a family thing and that was the first time i saw him i think since a previous summer so i usually get to see him like once a year um but for thanksgiving he came up my niece and nephew came up my sister-in-law came up they stayed here in our house our house was overflowing with people for thanksgiving because everybody came over um it was a good time i wish we could have saw some better bruins hockey throughout that week but you know yeah it is what it is at least we didn't have to sit through a patriots football game on on thanksgiving this year i know that would have been brutal but thanksgiving was good good food good friends good family uh i also got to see you a couple times throughout the week as well when you popped in front of my house how was <laughs> how, oh, how was your thanksgiving though i saw i saw the bald cap and i saw the mustache you gotta tell me about it
1: yeah no it was good dude um you know annual family feud game for our family um for some reason I got chosen to be Steve Harvey. I'm the host of the whole show. So I, <laughs> it was fun. I went all
2: out. The resemblance um, is uncanny. That's why you oh, got chosen as Steve
1: Harvey. Yeah, we're twins, dude. But, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I went full out. Uh, I got the suit, shaved in the mustache. I, I'm fully shaved right now. I'm sure, you know, some of the clips that you'll see on Twitter later, um, you'll see. But yeah, full mustache, got the bald cap, got the suit, got the questions all ready. It was sick. It was a great time. Um but outside of that, you know, good to see the family. Um, gigantic family that I have. It's kind of absurd how many children and aunts and uncles and cousins that I have. I mean, grandma should have slowed down back in the day. <laughs> but, you know, back then there was nothing else to do, I guess. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it was a great time. No pizza this year for food. Um, oh, man. No, there was mac and cheese, but. Outside of that, normal Thanksgiving, um, plenty of beers to drink, plenty of wine to drink, plenty of plenty, just plenty of drinks to go around. But um, yeah, it was a great time. I gotta ask you because we we had
2: a whole, I don't know, 10-minute segment. I don't know if it was last episode <laughs> or a couple of weeks ago, about the Thanksgiving food. What was the best thing that you had on your table this year?
1: Hmm. I'm not gonna lie. It, whoops. I'm not gonna lie. I think. My brother who made these biscuits, right? He made these biscuits and he like doused them with garlic and, and, and butter. And oh my God, I think I had like seven of them.
2: Oh, So garlic bread?
1: (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Attaboy, Randy. (laughs) The whole Thanksgiving spread and your favorite thing on the table was garlic bread made by your brother. I mean, listen, I'm a simple man. I mean... That sounded like the obvious. Like, yeah, we had turkey. Yeah, we had stuffing. We had carrots, rice. Shout out to my auntie Margie. Rice pilaf. There you go. (laughs) Um, But the biscuits were something new this year. So, yeah, we were pretty good. You know what we did this year? We got –
2: because we had – I think there was (laughs) – I mean, you probably still had more people for your Thanksgiving than mine because your family's huge. But we had like 18 or 19 people over, which is is a big deal for my family because my family isn't that big. And um, my brother – he loves like cooking and grilling and all that stuff. So we have a, a, sm- a smoker, and he got um, a big ass brisket. I don't remember how big it was. It was huge, and uh, he like got it already and he prepared it. And uh, I guess with the brisket, you have to leave it in the smoker. Then you have to mist it like every hour and a half. I don't know if everybody does this, but that's how he does it. I'm sure that's how most people do it. But uh-huh. um, you have to mist it every hour and a half. And in order for it to be done, because it has to cook for, I think it was 16 hours. In order for it to be done in time for Thanksgiving, he had to start it at like 8 p.m. the night before. So uh, he had to set an alarm and wake up every hour and a half to go outside. Oh to go outside in his boxers with a little spray bottle full of apple juice in our driveway and just spray this stupid piece of meat in the grill. <laughs> <laughs> it felt so bad cuz our our hor- cuz him and i were sharing a room and our whole family went to sleep and it was just him and i downstairs on the couch and uh, cuz he's like i'm i'm just going to sleep on the couch tonight you know cuz i got to get up and go outside every hour and a half anyways and i was like all right yeah yeah well, i guess i'll see you in the morning and i was like shuffling towards the stairs like dude like- what the hell? Like, you're not going to stay out here and like, help me. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm going to bed, man. I, was, yeah, I, I was like, I can't wait to taste the brisket tomorrow. And then I went upstairs and poor guy woke up every hour and a half, except he did wake up once he said at one 30 and, and he couldn't remember if he uh, went up to go pee or if he like went outside to spray the thing. Um, uh, <laughs> So I thought that the brisket was a little dry because it missed one of those sprays. But yep. all joking aside, it was a great Thanksgiving, great food. The brisket was probably the best thing I had on my table because I don't know if I ever had brisket before. But being there through the whole process and watching my brother cook it, I thought was pretty cool.
1: You know what hasn't been great? You know what hasn't been great, Mel? The Boston Bruins, dude. The Boston what Bruins. They, what? Listen. I, I, listen, there's been a bunch of people saying to me on Twitter like, You know, this team sucks. This team isn't who we thought they were. Um, You know, blow it up. That's reactionary. That is just a reactionary thing that's going through people's minds right now because they're going through the slump. They're going through a slump. Listen, since the Bruins beat the Canadians, 5-2 to at home, shout out to you. You were at that game. Undefeated at the Garden, Nick. Um, Bruins lose to the Lightning. They beat the Panthers they lose to the Red Wings, they lose to the Rangers, and last night, they lose to the freaking Columbus Blue Jackets, and not only did they lose, not only did they lose, Mel, they got fucking beat! They got smoked! They didn't, they looked like your average high school team last night. They looked awful. Jeremy Swayman gets pulled, Lena Salmark goes in, he lets in more goals. I think Columbus had 32 shots through two periods. what ha- what happened? What happened? I don't know, man. I don't know. But you know what? <clears throat> I'm glad
2: that we're talking about it. Because everybody's freaking out. And I've been seeing it on Twitter. People yep. are going bananas because of this crap. The Boston Bruins lost 3 games in a row. Oh, oh no. God. Oh my god. Now they're they're 14-4 <laughs> and 3. Oh my oh god. No. <laughs> now they're tied for the best record in the NHL. Oh my god. We haven't oh no. seen we haven't seen the Bruins not have the best record in the NHL. And it's literally been over a year in yep. like a year and a half. And people are acting freaking ballistic because now the Bruins have the second best record in the NHL, which is funny enough because they're actually tied in points with the Rangers. It's only because the Rangers have played, they have one more win, which they beat the Bruins. It's, it's, it's weird, but um, no, I mean, it's definitely like the last three games have not looked anything like the previous uh, 18 half. And I think, that's why people are freaking out but it's funny enough too cuz you and i were just talking about a couple of weeks ago how we were saying like we were the, we were specifically talking about Jim Montgomery we were talking about how like i like i want to see what this team is like specifically what Jim Montgomery is like when this team faces some sort of adversity because he hasn't had to face any other than the first round of the playoffs last year where he got thoroughly outcoached. And I remember saying like, Oh, like, like let's see the Bruins go on a bit of a losing streak and how they react. Well, here you go. Here's three straight losses for you. Swayman got pulled last night. You're giving up five goals again. They've given up like seven. What is it? Seventeen goals in their last three games or something like that, right which is crazy because this is a team that I don't. I believe they had only let up like more than, more than three goals like once in like like a twelve or thirteen game stretch or something like unbelievable like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I people I it there's no cause to be concerned. They were on a three game losing streak last year as well. And they then proceeded to have the greatest regular season in franchise history. Won't talk about the playoffs, but still it's, uh, you know, it's, we're at game 20. I mean, POS is averaging like two freaking points a game. Um, you still have, although they've struggled about the last couple of games, the best one 2 goalie punch in the NHL. You know what? This is some adversity. It's about damn yep. time. Let's see what they do with it. They cakewalk through the regular season last year. Again, we're still in the first quarter of the season, and it's only been three games now that they look like this, but let's see how they react. Let's see how they bounce back from it.
1: Yeah, um, they've let in 25 goals in the past six games. Um, oh. Yeah, it's not good. Um, right now, their goal differential is plus 16, so still good. Still the best in the Atlantic uh, division. But like you said, too, like I mean, this team – adversity right now is a very good thing for this team. Um you are seeing their willingness to fight back, what it's going to take, how are they how are certain players going to react to, you know, um losing games, losing multiple games in a row. And I think honestly too, I think last year last season obviously like 65-12 and whatever, however many wins they had last year, it was too many to keep track of. Um but I think that last season poisoned a lot of people's minds because they were so consistently good for the entire season. And then they start this season the same way where a little minuscule three game losing streak. And granted, yes, the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, absolutely you should win. You should absolutely every night win that game. But the previous two, you lose against Detroit, who has your number this season for for whatever reason they have your number as of right now they're only two against Detroit they have your number you lose to them every night I don't know why I don't know what it is but Detroit has your number and then the other one is the New York Rangers who right now is atop the NHL in in the standings you so you lose those two games you could say okay like those are two good teams you know you can accept that but then you roll into Columbus after these two losses, and you kind of expect the Bruins to come back to form a little bit and, and dominate that game, and it was literally the opposite. They got they got their asses handed to them, um, and and I mean, look at their next game. Their next game is against, is against the Sharks. So if they lose to
2: the Sharks. <laughs> It'll be it'll be like like when when Edmonton lost to the Sharks and they finally went, ah, screw it, and just like fire their coach and ship them. No, that's not what's gonna happen. But another (laughs) thing, too, about the Bruins is they've also played five games in the last seven days. I mean, they just had a they had a back-to-back game between the Rangers and the Red Wings, two good battles, two games that they lost, and then they had to go to Columbus, Ohio. That sucks on its (laughs) own to play a game. And like I'm not making excuses for the team, but they've had a lot of uh a lot of games recently, Thanksgiving was in the middle of that. Uh, there's outside distractions going on with this team right now as well. And again, those not ex, those aren't excuses as to why they're playing the way that they have the last three games. But you could understand if maybe some of that could trickle into it. Because this team that we've seen the last three days looks nothing like they've looked like the previous 18. And right. um, I have to believe, I mean, we have so much more evidence that this team is more like who they were before this three-game skid than anything like they are now. Maybe it's bad habits. Maybe its players are just tired. I don't know what it is, but, you know, like you just said, they have what should be an easy win in San Jose coming up. I thought Columbus was going to be an easy win as well. I guess you can never take wins for granted in this league. Um, But, no, I'm interested to see how they bounce back because that's a game that they really should win, and I'm not concerned right now, but if they play San Jose and, you know, they have a repeat of what happened Monday night. Oh, Oh, I don't know. Then I would kind of start scratching my head a little bit.
1: Yeah. That's the thing too. And I mean, like you said, outside distractions, obviously, you know, we didn't speak on it, but given with, you know, whatever, what everything happened with, with Lucic awful, terrible, fucking disgusting behavior from Milan Lucic. Obviously that's going to bleed into the locker room too. Like I, I, I can't speak on how the guys are feeling in the room, but you – you, I mean, Lucic was brought in here to be a leader, to be one of the guys that brings that locker room together, and then something like that happens. That's going to trickle down. So that's one outside factor. You also have guys like Grizzly coming back into the lineup after a long time being on the IR with his injury. He's coming back in. He's trying to get re-acclimated into – you know, into the lineup and into the system. So that's, that's another thing. And then geeky too. He's been out Um, you right now. And, and again, like you said too, I'm not really making um, excuses. Yeah. I'm not really making excuses, but at the same time, you do have to factor in these, these outside elements that are contributing to the team. And, uh, I mean, Grizzly has not looked good since he's come back. Um, Forbert, Jesus Christ, we were just giving him his flowers a couple weeks ago. He's back to sucking. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of things right now, and and obviously, I think in terms of what this team really is, it's not what you've seen these past three games. And it's also not what you've seen in the beginning of the season, I don't think. I think it's somewhere in the middle because the Bruins were humming in the beginning of the season. And that's mainly because Swayman and Olmark were just having an unbelievable start to the year, right?
2: Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, I think it, it, they're facing adversity right now. Whatever you want to call it, whether it be you know, a lot of games and not a lot of time, players coming back from injury, Laura getting sent down um issues within like like Lucic like you just mentioned they're facing adversity that's what you can chalk it up as to right now and they haven't been able to, to to fight against it the last three games they've looked like dog crap they uh even that game against uh Tampa I know you and I were in the middle the midst of a men's league game during that but that's the game yeah. that they let slip away from them uh they beat they beat Florida is that correct yeah, they yeah. beat Florida three to one, but then five two loss to the choice seven four abysmal showing against the Rangers. That was like national coverage too. How poorly the Bruins played against that. Jack Edwards was disgusted yeah. the way that he was talking <laughs> about the Bruins. I mean, it was re- he was repulsed by what was happening on the ice. And then the chalk it up again with the five two pounding, pounding too by the Columbus Blue Jackets of all, of all teams. teams. But <laughs> at the same time too, like they are facing adversity. But let's not like lose the plot here. It's three I'm games. Right. Three-game losing streak. The San Jose Sharks are 0-9 on the road this year. They would trade everything to be in the Bruins' position right now. Like, that's like let's be real. Things are going to be okay. Players are coming back. The Bruins are getting healthy again. Swayman and Olmark, they're not going to be perfect. Last year, we've talked about this before. Last year, Swayman sucked for the first right. month of the season. So what? He got pulled the other night. So what? He had a bad game. So what? Olmark got pumped for seven goals against the Rangers the other night. It's not going to happen every night because it's literally happened once. One time I've seen Omar shit his pants like that the last couple of years. I mean, these are the two best goalies in the world dating back to last year. So I have full faith that they'll be able to right the ship. I have full faith that they'll be able to steer themselves through this adversity. And it all starts now. They got two days off before they play the worst teams, literally one of the worst (laughs) hockey teams I've ever seen in my entire life on (laughs) Thursday. And if they play, I think, are they home? Let's see. Yeah, they're They're, They're okay. If San Jose walks into Boston when Boston is riding a three-game losing streak and not even kicking the shit out of Boston, if they win this game at all, then I will start to be okay. You know, maybe there's some underlying concerns here. Maybe there's something else that's going on. Yeah. But until then, until Thursday, I'm still feeling okay right now. I'm not overreacting. It's 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 the second month of the season. Right. If you're gonna have a three, first of all. Every team has losing streaks. We talked about this in the last episode. Chicago, I think it was in 2013 when they won the Stanley Cup. They had two eight-game losing streaks in that season. Two of them. And the Bruins run a three-game losing streak. And they still have the best record in the league. So what are we like? It's I understand people overreact because of how they look last year and how they looked leading up to four or five days ago. But like, just let's relax. If you if you want to call this a skid. That you would rather have this skid happen in the end of November than in March when you're gearing up for playoffs. Like you would rather be hitting your stride then. So it's all right. Stop overreacting. The Bruins are going to be fine.
1: Right, and it kind of calls back to what I said earlier too. Like the fact that we've had we were blessed with with last season and how good that team was. I think a lot of people are their expectations are kind of set to that standard right now. And then especially when you when you add in how the team started this year, too, it's like, oh, my God, we're going to run it back the same way that we did last year. Like, that's not going to happen.
2: Yeah. uh, The Bruins this year, they got off to the greatest start in franchise history. The team that's celebrating its centennial season this year, the year that we're all freaking out about right now, they started the season with the best record in franchise history. So what are we talking about? It's three games. Who the hell cares? They could lose another three games in a row and they would still healthy, healthily be a top three seed of the Atlantic Division. Like it's it's a long season. The Bruins got off to a much better start than anybody would have anticipated. There's going to be bumps. There's going to be some adversity at some points throughout the season. And they're finding some right now. It's been three games. They have, again, they have San Jose on Thursday. Please, for the love of God, beat oh, God. the San Jose <laughs> and then And then we'll take it from there. Because they they do they do follow it up with Toronto on Saturday and then yep. back and then to Columbus back, again. Columbus again. So there's your revenge game. And yep. and be honest, like how people feel about the Bruins right now. If they if they beat San Jose and then they beat Toronto and then they get the revenge on Columbus, nobody's even talking about this three game skit anymore. Like right. it's. A week and a half from now, nobody could even – the Bruins could win another three games in a row. They could be healthy. Swayman and Omar could look good again. And suddenly this is this three-game skid and everybody losing their minds is just a, a distant memory. Nobody's even thinking about it anymore because these things happen throughout the course of an 82-game season.
1: Literally. And, like, listen, the, I have seen the the some of the most amazing overreactions on Twitter over these past couple of days. Listen, the team is 14 4 and 3. They have 31 points. They're tied for first in the league among two other teams in the Rangers and, and Vegas. I mean, did you ex did did people expect this team to get 75 wins? Like they seriously. thought they were gonna go 82 and zero. <laughs> but, but that's what I've seen, I've seen literally people say trade pasta, trade McAvoy, trade Allmark right now and rebuild this team. What are you talking about? We're second in the we're second in the league right now. We're on a very minuscule three-game losing streak. We lost to Detroit who's third in the Atlantic. We lost to the Rangers who's first in the league right now. And then yes, Columbus, I'll give you, that was shitty. That was bad. That was the one that started to ring some alarm bells. But at the same time, it's an 82-game schedule. We're in game 21. Relax. Bumps in the road are going to happen. Like, there's no reason to freak out. Do you really not trust Jim Montgomery and how he runs this team? Do you not trust Brad Marshall as a captain? Do you not trust David Posternock, um, who currently, by the way, is still on his torrent pace. He's got 31 points in 21 games, 13 goals, 18 assists. Do you not trust him? Do you not trust a guy like Charlie Coyle to to hammer down the veteran leadership that he brings? Do you not trust a guy in Charlie McAvoy? Do you not trust in one of the two elite goaltenders that you have, Swayman and Olmark? Like, relax. Everything's good. If you're listening to the show right now, take a deep breath and breathe. It's three games we should play some bob marley right here
2: get people a little mellow you know just yeah flag. but um i'm glad <laughs> you mentioned believing in jim montgomery too because there was a point during the rangers game i believe it was against the rangers when uh almost immediately like you you throw an on you go to the bathroom you come out boom rangers are winning two nothing and it was like holy shit like this game is going to get away from the Bruins, and you could see montgomery pull the team to the bench and he was letting him hear it he was barking at him and he was yelling at him and the bruins literally scored two goals within like a minute and a half of time. <laughs> right and it right. was like wow like okay like he clearly still has the law and it would be even crazy to think that he wouldn't have the locker room but it was just it was one of those moments it was like oh cool like you know they're reacting because that was a moment where like again in jim montgomery's tenure as head coach of the boston bruins i don't remember a point of a game where he's given where the Bruins have looked that bad to start like that was really bad to start the Rangers game that looked like (laughs) our men's league game the other night for (laughs) for him to pull all the players aside and just just let them have it and and to have them react the way that they did I know you know at the end of the the game ended up getting way away from them and they lost 7-4 and it was like the worst game I've seen probably in the last year and a half yeah but for those you know couple minutes
1: I I liked what I was seeing if that means anything yeah (laughs) Dude, it's like he still has the – I don't want to say still. He has the ability to inspire this group. like, And we, we mentioned it a couple episodes ago. Like We've never seen them go on a, a skid like this with Jim Montgomery as a head coach, right? Obviously, coming in last year, leading the team to the best season of all time, you didn't really see many skids like this. So this might be his first real – outside of the playoffs last year, his real – true test of adversity and look at the lineup as it is right now i mean you have uh johnny beecher rookie you have matthew, um, patra, rookie. matthew patra rookie who by the way i think three points in his last 10 games not a cause for concern but just something to kind of put out there um and at the time mason Laura, he's not here yet but you have these young guys in the lineup obviously kind of uh, balanced off by by veterans JVR, Kevin Shattenkirk, Brad Marchand. Um it's 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 not a team like you had last season. Like you have you you're, you're going to go through bumps in the road. I don't think this team is going to win the President's Trophy. I don't think this team should hope win the President's Trophy. Right. I like I'm kind of praying that they don't. I'm glad the Rangers are on top of the league <laughs> right now. I don't want this team to win the President's Trophy. Um, cause then you just carry all that weight into you into the playoffs. And then as you saw last year, it kind of, it kind of drowns it's you the curse, man. I believe in it. Yeah. I mean, m- moral of the conversation is don't panic. Um, it's a long schedule. It's a long season. A three game losing streak is going to happen. It's probably going to happen again. Um, and, and think about what your expectations were anyways, coming into the season. Nobody was expecting this team to be world beaters like last season. Like these stretches are going to happen. This isn't going to be the last time that it happens. It's going to happen again. And as you mentioned too, go through it now so that you don't have to worry about it later into the season where you're fighting for a playoff spot. You're you're you have to get wins, like go through it now, learn how to get through this. And when it happens in the future, know that, you know, you've already gone through it, know what you have to do to get out of it and know that it's not going to last.
2: Yeah. Couldn't have said it better myself. Listen, I forgot to do this before we got into the Bruins talk, but I do have a beer right next to me. I was gonna crack open. I want you to I want you to guess what I'm drinking. Ready? Hang on. Hang on. I'll give you one guess. It's a beer. What beer did I just crack open? That was a Sam Adams. Incorrect. This is a <laughs> Quinnipiac Bobcat Golden Lager beer. That's sick. Actually, that's, really, that's actually really cool. It's from uh, Stony Creek Brewery down in Connecticut. Hang on. I don't know why they did this, but, I mean, I'm not complaining. Um. Anywho, did you hear – Um, I was going to – I actually almost texted you about it today. Did you see your boy, Devin Levi, got sent down to the
1: HL? It did, like I said a couple episodes ago. Bag of trash. He's not looking good. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was, was your pick to win the Vesno, wasn't he? He was. <laughs> <laughs> and called. And called her. Not good. Um, oh, but yeah, um, I, th- I think we've probably talked, you know, enough on this Bruins kind of skid. I don't want to get this episode to be too down in the dumps, but you do have something to say. I know, just quickly, because
2: I it almost slipped my mind. I wanted to talk about the Montreal Canadiens game. Yes, I, was, yes. I don't know if you heard, but I was there. Six um, seats, by the way. Dude, it was like one of the coolest experiences of my life. I'm not going to lie. I've been to a bunch of Bruins games before. I've been to Celtics games before. I've been to the Garden before. Um, but I got the tickets from my parents for my birthday. I went with my dad and um, – we got into the garden and, you know, had the tickets on my phone and he was like, all we right, right, I'll get a drink. Go to your seat. I was like, all right, cool. And like, I'm looking, I was like, Loge 12, Loge 12. I find it. I'm like, okay. And it was like row four. And I was like, huh. And I walked all the way down to row four, which is two rows directly behind the penalty box. And like I was sitting like directly behind it. So like I could stand up and put my hand out and my palm is against the penalty box. And I was like, no come on so i, I turned around and I went back up the stairs and i showed my, my ticket to the usher and i was like hey man like here's my like where the hell am i sitting can you help me i'm lost he's like what are you stupid you were just standing right next to this you're just looking at the seat it's right down there and i was like oh my god so then i went down there and it was cool we were sitting right behind the penalty box and uh didn't even know that the bruins were doing anything because i know that they have the centennial celebrations throughout the year oh that's right as soon as I sit down, I look and in the seventy and seventy two banners are on the ice. I'm like, oh my God, what's somebody's robbing the joint? And I see Bobby <laughs> Orr and like, you know, all these old timers <laughs> come out. And that was really that was a cool moment to see all those guys in person, like lifting up the banners and whatnot. Um, yeah. I I know Chris Davis was there. I didn't get to see him. I know our boy Lovell was there. I didn't even know he was there until after the game, which I'm Aww. still very pissed about, but I don't know if you knew this. He's going to the game on uh shit. It's in December. I don't remember which one it is, but he was tweeting it like nonstop on Twitter. He kept on tagging us in the thing. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew, but going... I'll have to go back and read the tweet to see which game it is. But he was there. Um, it was a cool experience. And listen, I know the Bruins haven't looked great the last week and a half, but there was one game that they did look great in. That was the game I was there. against. Coincidence? The go- Coincidence? <laughs> probably, probably not. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a known Bruins good luck charm. And I think, I don't know if you guys wanted to get a a GoFundMe going for me or if somebody from the Bruins wanted to reach out to me, but just having me in the garden every home game, I think, in a way game. I can travel too. I like planes. I can use my JetBlue points. Just put me in the arena when the Bruins are playing, and they will win. I think that's a good luck charm. So, you know, they they could DM me on Twitter. I don't know how they want to make this work, but somebody get me some tickets.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, At NHL Bruins... Uh, get this kid some tickets if you want to have an undefeated rest of the season. And then please make sure that you get him playoff tickets too. Um, yes. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, dude, I saw you on TV too, a couple times. Cause you were right behind the penalty box and you yeah. were wearing the blue hat. It was, it was kind of cool because,
2: uh, I mean, I don't know how cool it would be for most people. It was cool for me. Like Brendan like <laughs> Gallagher, for example, got sent to the box and he was standing like right in front of me. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I can see like the threads on his Jersey oh, I can see like a pimple on the back of his neck. Like it was was weird (laughs) being that close to everybody. (laughs) And then like, so when the player would get sent to the box and they would show it on TV and they would show, like you could just see the first row behind him. And then like right before they cut back to the action, the camera pans out for like a second. And in that one second, you could always see me because I was crouching way down trying to get my face in the frame. And I was wearing my purple jacket. (laughs) I think I saw myself twice in the Jumbotron doing that. But it was cool. And then the people sitting next to us uh, had a, the most adorable service dog. It was a, I think it was a, a little black lab, who was like just chilling next to us the whole time. So it was, it was pretty cool. I've never sat next to a service dog at an event, but I didn't even know he was there until I was going to my seats, and they, they were like, "Oh, we have a dog," and I was like, "Yeah, I, what we, do we like?" I thought he was like trying to dab me up, like he's calling me his boy or something. And, and all of a sudden, he stands up and he gets out of the way, and like this, this black lab stands up and like walks away, and I was like. <laughs> what (laughs) but it was it was a very cute dog it was a very good game and the bruins won five to two so i'll have to go back to another game sometime soon preferably every game
1: for the rest of the year but you know i'm not a millionaire hey yeah jeremy jacobs that's a shot at you but um i think we should probably jump into the dms here obviously on twitter um I asked everybody to send in some DMs. We also have some voicemails, too. Right now, uh, Chris Lowell, he's still the king of the voicemail line. I think he's going to re- maintain that crown this week. Yeah, he's so I—he's the only one who sent voicemails. Uh, SMH, listen, everybody listen in. Listen, if you don't want Lowell to have the crown, send in some voicemails. Compete for the crown. Jeez. So you said before we started recording that he asked
2: to play these voicemails in reverse order?
1: Yes, yes, he did. Okay,
2: <laughs> He gave us five voicemails over the course of two hours, so I will play the newest one f- first. Oh, God, I can already tell this is going to be a good one. <laughs> hey, this is not a question.
0: I just wanted to say thank
3: you guys. Uh, you guys fucking rock. I fucking love the podcast. And as you guys know, I haven't had the best couple of years, but every time uh, I, I wake up and I open up Spotify and I keep this to some screwing
0: podcast, I know that when I get ripping at my LLV, that day is definitely going to be a little bit better
3: than most. Uh, so I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, you guys are fucking hilarious. Uh, thank you for doing what you guys do. Uh, from meeting you guys at the Garden, from being stoked on every new podcast, once again, I just want to say thank you. You guys fucking rock, and let's go
0: beef!
1: Let's go, Lovel! Dude, wolves about to make me cry, man. Dude, I know! Fucking, you know what, Lovel? Dude, we, we're just two friends. Who jumped on the computer one day and were like, fucking, let's just talk Bruins. And the fact that it has that impact on you and other people too, like it makes it makes me so happy. It really, yeah. it really does, dude. It actually makes me so happy. It's such a it's such an
2: awesome community to be a part of. You know, there's people from all like Lovell was from I mean, I know he was from around here, but he was in West Virginia for a little bit. And like there's so many people who like you and I talk to. Who maybe they listen to the podcast, maybe they don't, but they're just Bruins fans, and that's the yep. whole part of being part of this community. It's just meeting people and talking with people. And you could have two of the most opposite people you've ever met in your entire life, but if they're both Bruins fans, that's all it takes. Yeah, and like like Lovell, dude, like he he has been like we have had some amazing support from some people who have been really big for us not just like helping us like on social media and whatnot and like sending in questions not just like helping to promote the show but just like for you and I like our confidence too like like I don't know like it's it's, it's not like when we were first putting this show out, man like we were getting like Eight downloads an episode, like it was hard. And at yeah. that point, it's just you and I, just like talking. And like if if we forgot to press record, we'd be like, ah, we whatever. We'll put on an episode next week. But, <laughs> yeah. And just like to see where we are now, and like we've had so much support from so many different people. But like Lovel, dude, like he's he's right up there among the people who have supported us the most. Like he's been a day one guy in everything we've ever done on Twitter, on Twitch, meeting him at the Bruins game. I met when we met Lovel at the. I felt like I've known him my entire life. Yeah, like he was—he's such a good dude. He's such a homie. You and him are part of that USPS gang, man. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we always—we really appreciate the support from everybody. So that was—that was a yeah, cool. I if I could print out a podcast, I mean, a voicemail, and frame it and hang it on my wall, it would be that one right there. For
1: yeah, me. for sure, dude. Like, and and like you said too, like. We're, like we're thankful for you dude like we like me and me and nick could do this without even doing the podcast right me and you could just shoot the shit about the bruins and and just like the way we are right now and just carry on with our day but it's because you know guys like chris and, and everybody else who listens who who tunes in right makes us feel you know like what we're doing is kind of worth it right like it, it makes it fun and it makes it um you, you know enjoyable to do cuz so without you guys like i mean we wouldn't do this like we do it we do it cuz we love it but we also do it because we love the community that we're building
2: yeah, I mean, and it's and it's it's really fun. I mean, you and I like we we like we don't get paid for this. We don't make money. No. I mean, we just we just like this like I we generally look forward to every week. see like I got out of work at five today. I immediately texted you, send me the link so I can join the stream. So like it's just I don't know. It's just something fun to do. And it's there's definitely been times where like the dog days of the summer when you're trying to like when we had that stupid wheel we were trying to like, <laughs> like what do we do to cope with the content like how do we how do we doing this but it was always the people who were like tweeting at us and the people like global who say that they actually look forward to listening to our episodes and that they keep us motivated and they keep yeah. us hungry for more so yeah absolutely love you, right. love you Global. love you Global. there's another four here this one is a minute and 55 seconds
3: I feel like this is a pretty good one I got here for you guys. But what was your favorite memory being a Bruins fan or just like being at the garden? Uh, for me, it was in 2011 when I was in middle school. I was It was around the time the Bruins were in Cup final, obviously. I mean, my mom picked me up from school. I was in the final three grades. And when I got home, I was laying on the couch, and I was looking, at these like, three tickets for the cup final. And I showed my mom three tickets for me, my mom, and my dad. She didn't think the price the, the price was too crazy. So she actually ended up buying them. Uh, and then she said uh, she would only buy them if I went back to school. Um, so I ended up actually going back to school after making my mom pick me up because I thought I was sick. And then I ended up just kind of sitting around uh, in middle school just bragging about how I was going to go to the, I said, like the final game. And then eventually I took the bus home, uh, and then I went home, and then I run up to game three of my mom and my dad. And then, God, it was the craziest game, it was the craziest NHL game I've ever been to. The final four was 8-1. to one. And I remember being in the stands as like a little twelve year old, eleven year old, that old that was at the time, and being like, "God, I wish this game was over right now," because I was just like so tired uh, <laughs> and just like standing up and just going crazy after every single goal.
1: Um, but yeah, that was fucking sick. That was a that was a great game. That was the best NHL game I've ever been to, and I want to know. What was like the best bros game you guys ever been to? That's Oh a good man, sh- dude, that's an insane experience, though. Oh my god, I would have lost my mind if I was there. Um, listen, listen,
2: I'm taking this question and I'm making it my own. I'm giving you a few different cool NHL experiences that I've had. The f- one of the first ones I remember, um, it was Bruins Red Wings. Couldn't tell you who won the game. All I remember was like I was maybe 8 or 9 years old. I went with my dad um and I remember there was a fan like six rows in front of us, a Red Wings fan who was wearing a white um oh shit. I don't remember who was on the jersey. It was it was a, it, it was no I don't remember. It was a it was a white Red Wings jersey. He had long flowing hair. The guy was hammered like <laughs> Could hardly talk, hammered, covered in beer. Like he was disgustingly drunk. And uh, now that I think of it, I I think the Bruins are probably pumping him pretty badly because this guy was getting heated and he was standing up and he was fighting with everybody. Like he's pulling out every, he's got a dictionary full of curse words and he's just going from A to Z, just reading off all of them. And I remember like eight-year-old me was sitting behind him like, oh oh my God, like what is going on? And he ended up getting (laughs) Like tackled by security and ushered out of the rink. No, that was a cool experience I had. Another one that I had was um, when I when I played for uh, the Minuteman Flames. My team one year went to a Bruins game. We were sitting like up, uh, probably up at the 300s with like the the Bruins crew thing, where you get like the little like the little like Dunkin' Donuts like Bruins Zone T-shirts. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. There was maybe 15 of us, and we were all sitting together. And, uh, you know, like when the clock runs down to a minute, the PA announcer was like one minute remaining in the period does all that yeah. shit. Well, it was getting down to a minute and, uh, Oh shit. We were, we might've been like 10 years old and the guy in front of us stood up, and he's like, Hey, timekeeper, how much time is left in the game? And then the PA <laughs> announcer immediately was like one minute. He did the whole thing. One minute remaining in the pit pe- and not dude, the joke killed like whole, like, <laughs> Like we, you would have thought we would have wanted that guy's autograph. We were laughing so goddamn hard <laughs> over that stupid ass. Like we were laughing throughout the entire intermission. It was the funniest thing ever seen in my entire life. Was when that dude did that. And then the third one that I wanted to talk about was not at the Bruins game, but it was when me and my good friend Ethan Moriarty went to Nashville um, oh, man, last year, I think May of last year, and we saw a Pittsburgh Penguins in Nashville Predators game. Bruins weren't even playing don't care just a couple of guys who like hockey and that was probably the coolest hockey NHL experience I've ever had in my entire life that's the only time I've ever seen an NHL game in a rink other than the TD Garden I had never seen uh Sidney Crosby play in person I had never seen two teams play that weren't the Boston Bruins and like being in that atmosphere with like those fans down there because Nashville Nashville is a place like when you think of hockey, you don't think of Tennessee. Like it's not right, right. the first place that comes to your mind. But like being there in that stadium and like feeling like how like the place was booming, and I don't know if it's because everybody just stumbled in drunk off of Broadway. That probably helps. But um, he like he, like seeing how passionate that fan base was for that team, and like I think Taylor Lewan was there. It might have been somebody else from the Titans was there because they were on the camera doing the whole chug thing. And uh, that was a that was a cool experience. I feel like that was an experience you could only have if you go to a natural game because that rink too, like it's so uh, compact isn't the right word, but it like there's truly like not a bad seat in the house the way that it's because we were sitting up on the nosebleeds. We could probably stand up and slap the ceiling and like the way that it, was, <laughs> that it was positioned, it was almost like you're looking down on the rink. So it felt like we were just as close as we would have been if we were like 12 rows up. So that was cool. So those are three examples that I can think of that come to mind of cool. I know he asked for my favorite, you know, Bruins game experience. But those are cool uh, NHL game experiences that I was part of.
1: Yeah, I can I can think of three right off the top of my head. Um, best game that I've ever been at, um, probably 2018 um, at the Garden in Boston uh, playoffs. Game seven against Toronto. I asked because I was in college at the time, I was I was at Suffolk University, um, and I was asking everybody. I was like, "Dude, do you want to go to this game with me? Do you want to go with this game with me?" I asked like five of my friends. They were like, "No, it's too expensive." And I was like, "Fuck! Like I can't miss this game." <laughs> so I ended up just buying a ticket by myself, and I ended up going going to the game just just me myself and I going up to the nosebleeds where my seat was, and I ended up just making friends with the people sitting next to me, and. I remember they were down four to three heading into the third period and they ended up getting four goals in the third. Um, it was that one where Jake DeBrusk was screaming down the slot and he ended up scoring and then like sliding down on his knees towards the boards and he was fucking pumped up. That was probably one of the best games I've been at. One of the most memorable ones, obviously game seven, 2013 again against the Leafs. Um, I remember exactly where I was throughout that whole game. Um, you know, in my living room with the TV, the big box TV. Cause you know, we were it was still back in 2013. I don't think flat screens were a thing yet. Obviously they were, but we didn't have one. Um, <laughs> but I remember jumping up and down and screaming, dude, like when, when Bergeron scored to tie the game, I think I lost my voice. And then Bergeron scores obviously to win, but one that sticks out to me the most 2011 against Tampa. Um, I think it was game six. They won by a goal and my mom had brought a radio to our little league baseball game. Cause at the time I was still playing baseball. Like I think we were in Babe Ruth and I was pitching, right? My mom has the radio full blast. Cause she knows that's all I care about at the moment. Like I don't care about the baseball game, dude. All I wanted to do was watch the Bruins and it was game six and I'm pitching. Right. And it's like, Second and third, no outs. I'm pitching. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta get out of this jam, but also what's going on with the Bruins? So I'm like, I got my I got one ear on the radio, one ear to my to my coach, and whatever. And all of a sudden I hear the radio get wicked loud. And I turn to my mom and I'm like, and this is in the middle of the game. I, I turn to my mom, I'm like who scored? And she's like, the Bruins. And I was like, I like, I like, jumped on the mound. And the ump was like, that's a balk. One run, come, <laughs> one run comes in. Runner goes to third, and everybody's laughing at me. And I'm like, what did I do? And the ump like, the umpa's like, you stepped off the mound. You jumped up, and I'm like the Bruins scored. He's like, I don't care. Like we're in the middle of a game. <laughs> so you must have been a Tampa fan. He must have been, dude. And, um, yeah, so that's that's probably one of them that sticks out to me the most. That that year was just a, a roller coaster of emotions and so many memories. But yeah, I got a bock because uh, David Krejci scored a goal in Game Six of the, the Eastern Conference Finals. Hey, it was worth it. I feel like everybody has <laughs> oh, a yeah. funny. I also remember
2: um, I've I've definitely told both of these two stories before, <clears throat> but I remember when um, the most memorable game I've ever seen. I think probably for everybody would be that game seven comeback against Toronto in 2013 in the first oh, yeah. round. I mean, who could forget that? And All I remember right. a- as soon as they won the game, I sprinted outside. It was like 30 degrees and I ran outside. No, it wasn't. It was a summer. What am I talking I about? It's like April. I was going April. I ran outside. Well, there might've been that, you know, that, that spring chill, that dew on the grass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I ran outside and I called uh, Kyle, call me on the phone. No, because it was cold because I remember I could hardly talk because I was shivering so badly. (laughs) We had like a 30-minute conversation. I was literally pacing back and forth in my front yard because I was so amped up. We were talking. We went through the entire game like detail for detail over what just happened leading up to that moment. And then I also remember, the last one I'll say, in 2011 when the Bruins won the Stanley Cup, I remember the whole – I remember where I was sitting on the couch. I remember what I was wearing. I remember they won the Stanley Cup. And then the next day at school – I remember my mom went to Dick's Sporting Goods and picked me up a Stanley Cup t-shirt and a hat and she showed up. We we were in middle school. I was 2011. I was probably like sixth grade or something. And uh, she came down and she gave me the hat and the shirt and I went and I changed. And you couldn't wear hats, but I I had that thing roped around my backpack and I put the shirt on. And dude, like you would have thought I was... President, like oh, the Pope's, <laughs> the Pope's walking through the halls. Look at this! Every I'm turning heads. Everybody's looking at me because they're like, "How the hell does this kid have a Stanley Cup championship T-shirt?" The Bruins just won last night. It's the middle of a school day, so <laughs> shout out, shout out, mom for that. I was a big man on campus that day.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. Another one too that just popped in my head. Same, same year, right? Obviously, 2011. Well, obviously, one of the most memorable years for many reasons. But um, it was that. Game seven against Montreal when Nathan Horton scored the overtime winner. Um, I remember my whole family, dude. And as we kind of talked about earlier in the episode, my family's fucking huge. We were we were all up in the family room, like probably 20 of us, and we were all so invested in this game. And Nathan Horton gets that, you know, that 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 winner from the blue line. And you would have thought 19 Shea drive. My cousin's house was the TD Garden. Like, it was so loud, dude. Everybody was just jumping up and down, high-fiving each other, going nuts. Like
2: You just you just docked your
1: cousin? It's fine, yeah. The 19 Shade Drive. Go find him. I don't care. <laughs> but, <laughs> you don't know the city. But um, it was an unbelievable time, right? Like, that whole run, um, I could pick so many games out of that. From Game 5, overtime win, Nathan Horton again. Um, the the sweep of Philly after we we famously you know lost against Philly the year before after we were up three nothing um coming back from two nothing down to Vancouver the the best team in the NHL that year I mean oh my god I was at I was actually when they won the cup dude I was I was at my dad's bar Sully's Pub in Marlborough Mass um and and I got to watch that game down there and it was nuts it was insane like that whole year was awesome
2: and it's. You know, I think I know we've been talking about the highs. I just gotta sneak one of the lows in there too. Yeah 20, 2013 sucked. Twenty nineteen sucked. But for whatever reason, the 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 game that always sticks out to me as like the worst moment of my life as a Bruins fan
1: yeah. was
2: in uh I believe it was it well it must have been twenty twelve when they got knocked out by Washington and yes. the the game winning goal in overtime by Joel Ward. I, dude, like I, I, I cried like a baby yep. <laughs> there's I've the only times I can definitively remember crying over sports was, um, when the Miami heat knocked out the Boston, knocked the Boston Celtics out of the playoffs. It was this, I don't remember what year it was. It was a series that, uh, when, uh, Jeff green had that crazy three pointer in the corner to tie the oh, game or whatever late. Yeah. And then, and then they lost because Ray Allen hit a three and I cried. I was so yeah. mad I cried, and it, that wasn't like I'm sad I cried. I was so mad that I cried when the Bruins lost in 2012 to freaking Joel Ward in his overtime goal. I was, I was so sad. <laughs> 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 I was I was. I had never been so sad in my entire life. Yeah, it's funny coming. you say
1: that, dude, because I kind of blocked that out of my memory. I remember I was at my friend Jason. Uh, My friend Jason's house, we were playing street hockey, watching the game on a TV outside. He scored, and I was just... I don't think I spoke for the rest of the day. I was so angry. (laughs) I was so mad.
2: All right, we still got another three of Lovell's voicemails to go here. Here's the next one. I feel like it doesn't matter what order we play these in. They would still hit the same, but it's okay. Here's the next one. (laughs) Okay, this is kind of a goofy one, but... But for any of you who have
3: seen me at the garden, yes, I actually made those pants, with my own <laughs> pants. and yes, I actually painted those shoes. I, I I am in the works at the moment for a new art project having to do with the Bruins and the shoes. But anyways, do you guys really think? I went to the mall and picked those pants off of the rack and those shoes from fucking Foot Locker. No. I made those. And yeah, it, 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 it takes a long time for those things to come together. And it takes a lot of hard work. So yes, I really made those pants. And I really made those shoes. They're so bad to me. It's so annoying. And it's so annoying that you guys don't believe me. <laughs> well, I to make both of those things and the jersey. Yeah, so <laughs> stop grilling me about how I how I made the pants, the shoes, the jersey, <laughs> the pants, and the shoes.
0: But I made those, goddamn it!
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so talk your shit, Lobel. <laughs> if you haven't, if you're listening and you haven't seen, um. The pants and the shoes that Louisville made go on his Twitter right now at Boston Bruins, Boston Bruins, but with an A H instead of Boston. It's Boston. Go look at them; they're incredible. The shoes, the pants, the jersey. Dude. Yeah, dude. When we were at uh, at greatest bar, those those girls were trying to buy it off
2: of them, and they, yeah. I don't remember what they were. They were like five hundred, and I came in and I was like a thousand, and they were like no. They were like, well, how much for the shoes? And he was like, I don't know, and they were like. Two fifty, and I was like five hundred, and they're like, "Who the <laughs> hell is this guy?" And I was like, "Don't worry about it." But oh, no, those are pretty cool. Yeah, they're um, sick. I, I saw the shoes. The shoes, I've, I'm definitely guilty of being one of the people who didn't think that I, I thought I don't know, maybe Lovell found a, fo- a Foot Locker that had it, and I only thought that because I saw those things close up, and let me tell you, they're immaculate.
1: Yeah, they're pristine. Like,
2: like, and it's even like like the B, like there is no not even the smallest amount of overlay between the black and the gold. Like the lines are straight. It looks like it's printed on. I don't even and I saw the pants up close too. Impeccable. I just need to see the jersey now. And we need to make sure we're at that next game he's at. So and he needs to wear the jersey so I can see it up close. Yeah. Okay. percent dude. Here's the next one.
0: This might be,
3: in a way, a kind of a touchy subject here, but do you guys think we should just move on to Milan Lucic at this time and yep. just terminate his contract yep. considering the off circumstances and, you know, for the betterment of our unit center organization?
0: Uh, for example, I would 100% rather see someone like Steen or McLaughlin or maybe Markiloff.
3: Take up those fourth-line minutes instead of Lucic, even though it sucks, Milo Lucic was a polarizing figure here for a while. But during the circumstances, it just feels like
2: it's time to move on. Uh, What do you guys think? Definitely. And I do want to preface to that. He left that voicemail last Wednesday. So that was before the news came out that the Bruins had – had terminated Lucic's contract. That's before yeah. we knew what we knew. This was, I believe Wednesday was right around the time that it initially broke. So yeah, yeah I think point. I totally agree with Louisville. I think the Bruins unfortunately made the right decision in letting go of Milan Lucic and uh unfortunate uh, situation. Yeah.
1: Listen, I mean for a guy who had Boston by the balls in a guy with, a pristine legacy in the city too. one of the most legendary Bruins of all time to come back and finish his career in the city that where it all started, where he won a cup, where he potentially could have had his Jersey retired. He turned all of that into shit. What he did is absolute scumbag behavior. And I know the inv- investigation is still going on, but <sighs> you can't like that is just scumbag behavior. And it's not what the Boston Bruins organization represents. Um, It's not what this team stands for. It's not what the fan base stands for. And listen, you, you made your bed, you lay in it, you fucked up. You, you now, you know, pay the, pay the consequences, pay the piper. You did it. You messed up. There's no room for excuses. There's no, yeah, but in this scenario, you you did what you did. You made your bed, lie in it. It fucking sucks. Trust me. As a as a as a as a as a as a fan who grew up idolizing this guy to learn that he did what he did. Get off my team. That's terrible. It's it's awful. And it sucks, but listen, it's the it's the reality. So see ya. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better
2: myself. I for for, for what it's worth, he's a total bum. I think any any man who puts their hands on a woman is a total coward i think yeah. he's he's a bitch i'm done Fuck. i'm sick of him i he's his jersey is the only one i have don't give a shit in the Me trash too. and i hope i hope that his wife and his two daughters are are okay but, absolutely yeah, there you go
1: absolutely uh,
2: all right here is the last voicemail from Lowell. Uh, oh no i clicked off of it shit which one was it oh, <laughs> here it is What up, boys? I'm back. I have a juicy one you here. A lot of people uh, last year have asked the question in the past, should we trade Jeremy Swayman or trade Jeremy Omar? Uh, But considering the success of last year and, you know, how last year went and, uh, you know, alternating like 1A, 1B
3: type of thing. Uh, would you guys consider trading someone like a Jake DeBrusque or just simply making room for the goalie tandem for years to come, just considering the success that it's given, you know, last year and this year thus far? Because it seems to be working. If you keep it going for years to come, I feel like, you know, there might be some... Bring to come out
1: of that. So, let me know what you think. I don't know, dude. It's kind of it's it's, and I know we have some DM questions about uh, uh, you know this similar question, but I think what the last three games have shown you is that this team is um, susceptible to going through these droughts, these these scoring droughts. Um, the defense isn't as strong as maybe we were led to believe so can that be solved by moving on from one of your goalies I mean maybe does that mean maybe you explore Jake DeBrusque Linus Olmark combination to to get someone in here who can really help solidify the production of your offense maybe um I don't think you do anything yet, right? I, I still think you have to wait until at least the trade deadline to see what everything, you know, how everything shakes up to be. Um I I I'm I, I'm not ready to take a stance on that yet. I'm not ready to to make a choice.
2: Yeah. I also wanted to add to uh Lovell said uh Jeremy Olmark, obviously he meant yeah. mark. I right. got you, don't right. worry about it. Um, In a way, I almost feel like the last three games could be used as an argument to keep Swayman and Olmark because we've obviously seen how well the argument has been. The Bruins are so good; they have these two great goalies. They beat the shit out of anybody. They could use some help on offense. Let's move one of them and get a forward. Well, you're seeing right now what happens when they don't play well, and it's a it's a disaster it like they've sucked the last three games. The defense hasn't looked good. They've had trouble scoring. Agreed they could use some help sharing up their uh their top six and get a, another winger or something. Although it has been nice now that that brusque has been performing. But if yep. you were to trade one of those goalies, be albeit Olmark or Swayman, and Swayman struggles or Olmark struggles or one of them gets hurt, this is you're screwed. This is showing you right now how valuable those two goalies are when they're playing at their peak. And it's not like we've only seen them playing at their peak for first 15 games of the season, you had a 82-game sample size last year these guys playing together, and you won 65 games. This year, they, they they continued that strong playover for the first 18 games, and what happened? They had the greatest run, the greatest start in Bruins history. They've struggled the last three games, and the Bruins lost three in a row. That should tell you the value of these two goalies right there. So if you want to move one of them, I think that this is a perfect reason as to why you shouldn't do that. And whether or not you want to move Jake DeBrusque or not to clear room to sign Omar and Swayman. I almost feel like it's a unique situation with Omar and Swayman. Um, almost because they're just so weird. (laughs) Like they're so (laughs) close. Like I like, a part of me feels like I could see the two of them taking some sort of pay cut if it means that they get to stay together. Because these guys are not just teammates, they're not just friends. Like these guys are like family members. Like they're gonna be butt buddies for the rest of their life. Like these guys love each other. Yeah. And um, if like if it means Omar taking a pay cut to stay on the Bruins with Jeremy Swayman, I think I think he does that. And I if do it too. means and if it means Swayman taking a pay cut so they can extend Olmark I think he does that as well um I know that the Bruins have been very very fortunate the last couple of years that Olmark was playing on a what making 5 million a year and uh Swayman he's on a bridge deal now but before that I mean, he's on like a rookie deal like they're they're making pennies and i mean right. like ideally if you're paying again i don't know what their figure is but if you're keeping those two guys and you're paying them i don't know under 12 12 and a half million a year between the two of them I would feel good about that I mean you have one of the one of the best goalies in the world starting every single night between the two of them so I don't know I mean I don't know if if that means if you have to trade Jake DeBrus to have some cap room for one of them to re-sign I don't know but I know that I would not under any circumstances especially given these last three games trade either of them that's something I would revisit in the off season
1: cool all right you want to jump into the DMs
2: yeah, so we got one here from good friend across the pond, Jack. We missed oh, him what, last Jack? week, of course, which is our fault. We didn't record, but you can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack B underscore. Jack says, hey, team, hope you both and all your listeners had a great Thanksgiving. Also, Jack, is it is it awkward for for like people from England when, for Thanksgiving over here? I always wondered that. Like, is it like, oh, shit, like, you know, like the ex is celebrating their birthday. Like how do yeah. like I don't? <laughs> like, what does that feel anyway <laughs> he said hope you both and all your listeners had a great thanksgiving due to a thanksgiving no pod week i don't want the ole the ole ole chanting from the bees fans to not get a shout out it was an outstanding level oh. of fan shithousery so shout out to everyone in the garden for that one including the canadians players for being so shit our fans could comfortably sing their own song without any fear of, re- of repercussions <laughs> thank you I will take that. I was there. I was chanting ole as loud as I could. I was getting goosebumps when we were doing that. It was a cool that was that, that
1: was actually so sick. I forgot that happened.
2: <laughs> he said clearly our Bruins enjoyed Thanksgiving far too much and we're all suffering from meat swears. Oh, I think he means meat sweats on the ice, hence the recent dip in form. The positive though is Jake Debrusque has remembered where the back of the net is again. <laughs> question question this week. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are about international hockey. We just came out of the other side of an international break over here for football, and we absolutely hate it. By football, he means soccer. It was qualifiers for the next Euro championships, and we basically play one or two decent teams, and then two teams that feel like a tick box activity. Don't get me wrong. We love a tournament, hence our behavior whenever the World Cup or Euros are on. These tournaments are usually held in the summer, and two things us English can't cope with is the sun shining and moderate success. So when we convince ourselves that it's coming home each tournament, it gets a little messy. I very rarely hear about international hockey, so I'm curious as to how you view it and what the general perception of international hockey is over in the states slash Canada. Cheers.
1: Um
2: I like it. Right? I'm going to be honest. I I feel like it's very difficult to get international hockey coverage over
1: here. It is. It is hard. Like,
2: Like, I feel like the only time that I see international hockey, whether it be on Twitter, never see it on TV. Unless, I don't know if people got a special cable package. If you do, let me know. I've never once stumbled across a KHL game, a Sweden game. Never have I once seen a European hockey game on my TV unless, like, the NHL is playing an exhibition game in Sweden or something. Then I'll be able to find it on NHL Network. But for international hockey, I only see it on Twitter when it's a, like a, a Bruins prospect or a high prospect who's playing in Sweden or like, Oh, like, like Leo Carlson, here's his highlights from international hockey. Cause he's going to be drafted second. Like that's the only time I feel like we ever see international hockey which honestly, like Jack brings up a good point. That kind of sucks. Like I'm sure the I hockey over there is, is really good. I know, um, I mean, think of the international players who have come over the season. I mean, uh, Slavkowski, I saw him up close the other night. He was an international player. We just mentioned Leo Carlson. I mean, plenty of these guys are coming right from Europe and stepping foot in the NHL, and they're playing pretty well. Um, so that's what I think of when I think of international hockey at that level. I really don't get to see any of it. I don't know if it's different in Canada because I know that they are hockey hounds up there. But um I think this could also be an opportunity to talk about the Olympics and like, again, Gary Bettman, what do you do, man? Grow the game, grow the sport. I mean, you're the biggest hockey league in the world and you're not sending your players to the Olympics. And I've said it a thousand times. And I'll say it a thousand one times. (laughs) Gary Bettman is Canadian. And for all of our Canadian listeners out there, you know, the USA will be a hard team to beat. And I feel like Gary Bettman's like, listen, they got Austin Matthews, Connor Hellebuck, McAvoy, Adam Fox, Kyle Connor, Jack nope. Hughes, Quinn Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes, Quinn Hughes, Luke Hughes is coming. Got like this, like they're disgusting. Yeah. And I feel like he's, he's like, he's looking at the, he Googles American players and he's looking at the Google results and he goes, mm, no, not this year. <laughs> shaking in his boots. And he calls up his secretary and he says, shut it down. <laughs> They're not going this year. I can't afford Canada to not win the gold this year. They can't lose the Americans, and I think that's what we're seeing because, American. like, like honestly, like, no bullshit. As soon as America got good, like, obviously, like, we had Patty Kane. We had Ryan Miller. Dude, like, Kyle Oposa was, like, second-line winger for Team USA. Like, yep. you know, you got Sidney Crosby on your first line. You got freaking half the NHL superstars littered throughout your lineup. And here comes Team USA waltzing up with Pozo with an A his chest. Like, like, we never had a chance. And now we do. And damn it, we can't go to the Olympics. And it's driving yeah. me... Like, it, it sucks. And that's why it's funny too because, like, I feel like um, the only ones who benefit from it, right, are, like, the Russians because they can send yeah. all their KHL guys over there. And I know, obviously, it hurts Canada right now because they can't send their NHL players either. But I'm saying... If everybody's at full strength, USA is going to be a hard team to beat. And I think Gary yeah. Bettman knows that. Don't yeah. shoot the
1: messenger. No, I'm with you. I think honestly, USA, USA, Canada right now, I think are the top two countries in terms of talent in hockey. And it's, it's, it's never been this tight. I, I'm i yeah. not even lying. I think in a hypothetical seven game series, I think USA wins in six. Like, I, USA is so fucking good, dude. Think about the goalies. Hellebuck, Ottinger, um, Demco, Swayman. That's four right there. Four elite goalies. And you can only yeah. really pick two of them? And then, like you said, Matthews, Hughes.
2: And then um, having, having your top three be McAvoy, Fox, and Quinn Hughes. Yeah, good luck, Canada. What? Fucking suck an egg. That's crazy. And I know, like, Canada, obviously, like, kill McCarr on his own. I mean, although Quinn right, uh, right. Hughes this year – Again, not to be that guy. Quinn Hughes has looked like the best player in hockey this year. Don't oh, shoot yeah. the messenger. Just saying. But um, no, I mean, and 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 I, I mean, half jokingly, but like that would be an an amazing game. USA and Canada, oh. like this, this would not even close. The Kachuk brothers, the, Kachuks. the, Kachuks. the Kachuk yes. brothers, the brothers on the same line. Oh, They're no. running the, the Kachuk brothers on the same line. Like, could oh, you? My like, God. this is this was the 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 greatest American talent. Is in the NHL right now. I mean, yep. it's only going to get better because college hockey is booming. But it's it's they're robbing us of some of the greatest American and like it, like for the Canadian people who listen, shut up, man. Like you, like your team's <laughs> always been good. You guys have been the greatest players in hockey history. You're all Canadian, man. You had Gretzky, you had Crosby, you have McDavid, you have Bedard. Shut up. Give yeah, us some. Give us this one. This is our time. We haven't had superstars since like we had Patty Kane, and then before him, it was like Mike Madonna. Like, there was, there was no, like, there was nobody. And now, like, the league is littered with NHL stars. And it was before, it was always like the Americans are like the glue guys on the team, you know? Yeah. And uh, (laughs) like, it was like, like when they were picking a team, like they had, obviously, you had Patrick Kane. Who are the other, Phil, Phil Kessel, like you had like a couple good Americans, and then you're like, all right, you know, let's just let's look at every team in the NHL's third line. Which one has the highest plus spot? Like they're just picking names out of a hat, it felt like at that point. And yeah. now we have some actual stars. So I want to see them play Canada in uh, in a series, and I want to see them play Sweden, and I want to see them play Russia in Finland, Finland goalies, UC SAR. I mean, all those guys they have, like it's we're being raw. And it's, and it's really pissing me off.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, at the USA right now, you, imagine a USA-Canada gold game just one one game. Like, oh my, oh God. my fucking God, so, dude.
2: To answer Jack's question, I think that international hockey coverage in the USA, can't speak for Canada, Should take, could take a massive step forward. There's good hockey being played out there. I don't have to see them on my TV. And maybe I just need to do more digging on Twitter because I have not found any reasonable – uh, international hockey coverage. But the big thing for me is the Olympics. Like, come on. That should be yeah. a length Grow the game. Yeah. That's how you do it. What's the point? What's the point of having international series across Europe when the biggest sporting event in the world, it happens once every four years and you don't send your guys? So you right. can have the Arizona Coyotes go play a game in Finland. But the the mm-hmm. United States are hosting it might be the summer Olympics either way the United States are hosting the Olympics in a couple years and like uh, the never mind it defeats a point because it's summer Olympics but still you don't send your players to the winter Olympics but you send them to play exhibition games in Finland like, it, it, it would be much more beneficial, I feel like. I mean, you can do both, but it would be much more beneficial to send your stars to on the biggest stage in the world where they're getting millions of viewers every single night. And, and- it means and it means a lot to us as fans because we're proud of our country and we're proud of our players. <clears throat> but it means that much more to the players. I mean, oh, my yeah. God, like, Austin Matthews has never represented the United States in the Olympics. That's ridiculous. He, he could be gross. one of the greatest American-born players of all time. And that's, it's... Oh, it's one it, it, we say it all the time. It makes so much sense that it makes sense that the NHL doesn't do it.
1: Right, it's, right, right. <laughs> I, I I don't get it. Just constantly shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, we saw that this week with Mark Andre Fleury and his in his mask. Like they 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 can never get out of their own way. But um, like right now too, if you look at the talent around just hockey, right, it's probably never been higher. I mean, look at the parody in the NHL. Um, the President's Cup trophy winner is probably going to come down to like the last week of the season. There's not any really like terrible teams outside the of the expansion team
2: just won the cup.
1: Right. Like the, the the talent around the league and just hockey in general is amazing right now. Um, USA has never been better. Canada still a powerhouse, obviously, as they always will be. Uh, Czech, Slovakia obviously is good. Russia, good. Germany, good. Stutzla and and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl, yeah. What are we doing? Even um, Mo Cider too. He's German, isn't he? Mo cider, yeah, dude. What are we doing? What are they doing? (laughs) you're robbing us of, like, one of the greatest Olympic hockey tournaments of all time. Please. I didn't even think about it until we just started having this conversation. Yeah, we should – Actually, now that now it's funny, we're talking
2: about this because I was gonna say we should call the NHL front offices, and I actually called them when I was in middle school. <laughs> I had <laughs> I had the NHL offices. I thought it was so cool because I, was like, oh yeah, I have NHL. No, let me call. And I called them, and it was a woman who answered, and I freaked out and hung up. So then I called again because I was I might have been with her with her friend Connor, and I put it on speakerphone and I called again, and she picked up and said, "If you call this number again, I will call the police." And I hung up, and i that was the NHL. Wherever they're they're headquartered, I called their office number <laughs> and uh I've never called again. But we the should cop- we should go bang on the door and see if we can speak with Gary Bettman because this is the, bullshit.
1: The NHL almost called the cops on you.
2: Yeah, on a on a on a, an eight-year-old kid because I wanted to say hi to Gary Bettman. Oh my god. Honestly, I was probably calling and say, Let me talk to the Bruins.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um is Put on the line. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so as we kind of jump into these DMs here, we got a lot of questions today, so we'll kind of go through these. Um, this first one comes in from Bees Memes. Shout out to Bees Memes. Um, follow them on Twitter at Big Bad B, Sorry, at Big Bad Bees <laughs> <laughs> Memes. Um, they said, "Hi, boys. Long time, first time." My question is, what the fuck? <laughs> I have this, I have the same question. We're gonna to try to solve that for you here on this episode. What the fuck? Dude, um, I don't
2: know. I don't... And, it, and it's funny because um when they were playing Columbus last, I mean we we're recording this on Tuesday, so it was last night, because we had a men's league game, and yep. um I think when I left my house, the Bruins are losing one-nothing. And I was like, there's no way that they end up losing this game. And then we got to the rank and then we were getting dressed, and I remember you checked your phone and it was like three-nothing or something, and I was like, <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> like, yeah. what's going on and then um we got off the ice and came back and i asked you what the score was and you're like dude don't even don't even bother so I <laughs> got, oh, my God, it was that bad yeah it's it was been like, a, a rough couple of days here for the bruins faithful
1: yeah it's really testing a lot of people's uh um loyalty to what we're building here um yeah. but yeah just don't panic i guess if this don't continues yeah, it's fine. It's literally a losing stretch. It's going to happen. Um, but this next one comes in from Megan Holden Uh fo- Follow her on Twitter at Megan Holden 98. Um, also, shout out to the VOPN podcast. Patriots, shout out. They stink. Voice it's of a- bad Station. Yeah, they've had a rough season. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> um, but she asks, and I like this question a lot. She said, what would be your one Christmas wish for the Bruins this year? some cap relief cap relief <laughs> um in the form of Derek Forbert
2: no, yeah. I've no um, listen, I've already I'm back on the train I said that last episode I can't get off now uh,
1: I don't know dude this is Derek Forbert's train is like the train that makes multiple stops it's like you can get on you can get off you can get on you can get off and right now I'm fucking off of that train
2: <laughs> um, I feel like I feel like you would want Nikita Zadorov
1: Yeah that's a good one but like <laughs> In terms of Derek Forbert and his train, he's not a round trip ticket. He's like one of the ones where you, you buy it to one station and you get off, and it's like, okay, do I want to ride that train again? Do I want to go back? No, I'm gonna stay here in this safe place where I feel comfort. <laughs> um, but in terms of Christmas, in terms of my Christmas present for the Bruins, give me a give me a top six winger and give me Nikita Zadorov. That's my, that's my Christmas present. And fuck you, the present in my winger is not Carter Garland, so everyone, <laughs> everyone, stop.
2: <laughs> Plus 30% cap relief, don't forget. Right. Yeah, I like, right, right. right. Um, well, no, I don't it. know. I mean, I would, it's funny, because I feel like if you asked me this question a week ago, I would have nothing to say, because everyone's the freaking balls. But, um, I don't know, I mean, oh. i, I
1: no, my wish is for them when they were their alternates to pick a freaking color for their helmet. So you going black or are you going brown? Oh yeah, there what?
2: was a there was a couple games ago I tweeted because I thought that they changed their helmets mid game because the brown looks like black. They did. You, they did. They did. Did they? Yes. Yes. You you literally you can't tell that the helmet is brown unless you're like too like you're you're up close. You're seeing right. you're seeing it in person because they look black on TV and it's stupid. Um, but yeah. No, I guess my. Christmas gift would be top six winger would definitely help. Um, you know what? My Christmas gift is to see the play of Jake DeBrasse that we've seen recently continue for the rest of the year. I know okay. that he, he 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 wasn't playing bad for the first quarter of the season, he just as Jack mentioned, could not for the life of him find the back of the net, and right. he's played well now the last couple games he picked up a couple goals i'm hoping this is turning the corner for him cuz last time he recorded i believe he was on pace for 5 goals and 27 points and let me ask you right now okay off the top off the top of your head do you know what aj greer's numbers are in calgary
1: i'm pretty sure does, isn't he doesn't he have 14 points No, AJ Greer
2: has four goals, four assists for eight oh, points this year. I, I wasn't even close. No, he really <laughs> want it to you really weren't. but I bring it up because Jake Debrusque has okay, so he actually has one more goal than Jake Debrusque, and they're tied for points currently throughout the year. Obviously, Jake Debrusque is a better player than AJ Greer. That's not the point of this. But at one point, AJ Greer was on pace for I believe AJ Greer was on pace for like 32 points. And when we when we last recorded, Jake deBrusque was on pace for twenty seven. So you're gonna need more offensive output from Jake DeBrusk. You've seen that the last couple of games. And what I want for Christmas is for the last couple of games of Jake DeBrusk to see more of what we see moving forward. He was great last year. He had a career year. I know he got hurt uh, in the Winter Classic, and that month off really sucked. Um, but I'm hoping that he's now turned a corner because you're gonna need that second level scoring from him. I don't know if they're gonna bump move lines around. I don't know if maybe they'll put him back on his left wing. I don't know what they're gonna do, but. I need more consistency out of Jake Debrusque. That's what I want for Christmas.
1: Yeah. Um, this next question comes in from uh Tommy Bennett. Follow him. Uh oh, oh, I just lost it. Shoot. Uh <laughs> hang on, my my phone just glitched. Um, again, Tommy Bennett, running with the devils, big time writer on Primetime Productions. Um, he asks. What should the lines look like to add balanced scoring and get the depth going consistently? He said right now it feels like 2018, 2019, all over again. And you can follow him on Twitter at TJBennett37. Um, so the lines right now, right? It's tough because I don't think you want ideally in an ideal world, I don't think you want to have Marshawn and pasta on the same line. I think you want to spread that scoring out. And this is where then my Christmas wish list of having a top six winger comes in because if you don't, if you don't add a top six winger, it's kind of tough to spread out Pasta and Marshawn, especially with JD. Recently, yes, he's been producing, but if he kind of has a middling season like he kind of is having right now, that it's not good. But say to spread out the lines or spread out the scoring, right? I have, I have, Zaka, Pasternak and Jake DeBrusque. And then I have JVR coil Marshawn Or I'm sorry. J- uh, um, See, this is where I get all messed up because I don't know <laughs> who's going to be your second line winger dude. Cause you can't split up coil JVR yeah. and Frederick. That's your third line. But then the options that you have left, if you split up Marshawn and, and pasta, Danton Heinen, Morgan Geeky, Jacob Lauko, Oscar Steen. Who's playing that second line winger? Oh shit. Who's pl- who- that's what I'm saying. Who's playing who's playing that second line spot?
2: And that's where your Christmas gift comes in. A top six winger. Because that's I, where I,
1: Connor I, Garland comes in, dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't I don't mind I don't mind Debrusque Zaka Imposta's your first line. I I I want to keep Marshawn on, on that left wing. Marshawn yep. Uh, Patra Patra yeah and then that's to your point then who do you have play right wing
1: like who's it is it going to be geeky is geeky your second line right wing cuz you can I do again, I like, do you like geeky third line up I do like geeky but I think he's
2: more effective in a bottom six role than he is getting I do t- getting line right. right. minutes right I um, do too I don't know maybe that's a candidate right there no Heinens another guy he's a center left wing right he doesn't play right Right, right,
1: exa- exactly. This team has too many lefties. <laughs> <laughs> Lefty I slander.
2: I don't know, maybe you call up Toronto and see if Pertuzzi wants to come back. <laughs>
1: yeah, right, because because right now, Daily Faceoff has the lines as Marshand, Zaka, Pasa, JVR, Coyle, Frederick. That should be your third line. Third line of Heinen, Patra, DeBrusque, and then Lauko, Beecher, Geeky. With your defense of Grizzly, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, Shattenkirk. So, I mean, listen, and I don't want to stir the pot here, but I'm just saying the the the, the team was doing better when Lauri was on the back end. Just saying. As many, I know he was making mistakes, and I don't know maybe he wasn't completely NHL ready, but you were winning. The team was firing <laughs> on all cylinders. I don't know. Maybe you trade Grizzlik and Forbert, and you get Nikita Zadorov, and you, you bring in another winger. Grizzlik oh. and Forbert, oh god, no, because actually- then you no, because then you have then you have Lorai and you have a better Forbert in Nikita Zadorov. Yeah, but oh. then you just what's the point of giving up Grizzly then?
2: That's a that's a lot to give up for Nikita Zadorov. No, no, I'm not just saying. No, I'm not. I'm oh, before oh okay. Blow, Ooh, before this blows, I was gonna blow. say,
1: no, before tweet this, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like something I would tweet, but before this blows up into something that 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 isn't what I meant it for, if you have Lauri and Zadorov, you're gonna have to get you're gonna have to sit a defenseman, anyways. Grizzly as i've mentioned so many times in the past when it comes to playoff times you get hurt he's too he's he, he's not big enough he gets hurt in these in these you know physical games come playoff time if you if if you trade grizzim forbert Laura, you go Laurie McAvoy, lindholm carlo zadorov shattenkirk and then that gives you money and and space to bring in a top six winger where you can finally have a right wing on, in your top six yes i, I and don't get me wrong I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I don't want to lead this into something else, but sorry. Um, Matt Krizak is not a bad player. Matt Krizak is a very good, effective offensive puck moving defenseman. He's a good defenseman. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying, and as we saw last year, when the playoffs come around, he's not a playoff defenseman. Look at Vegas. Look at Florida. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals with a guy like Radko Gudis. Vegas went to a Stanley Cup Final and won with a defensive core that was heavy, big, and strong. The Bruins had Tory Krug for how many years? Sure, they made the Cup. Did they win a Cup? No. Matt Gryzlik is just a little bit of a weaker Tory Krug. And I hate to say that because I like Matt Gryzlik. I like Matt Gryzlik. Don't get me wrong. What he brings to the defensive unit in his chemistry with Charlie McAvoy is phenomenal. It's great. Don't get me wrong. But look towards the future. Is he going to be able to to get down into the dirty areas in the playoffs and really grind out some wins? Block shots. Lay the body. Grind out the other players forwards. I don't think so. He's going to get beat. You
2: make good points, and I'm uh, I'm not against trading macros. Like for, I mean, for I've always been a firm believer of I would I would do whatever move makes sense to make the team better. Yeah. Uh, like I wouldn't trade pasta, but like would I trade pasta for like McDavid? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know? Yeah. Like I would I would do <laughs> the, the trade that makes sense. So let me ask you: If you were to trade, say you're Don Sweeney, you pick up okay. the phone, you call the GM of Calgary.
1: Who are you giving him for Nikita Zadorov? They're probably going to be tanking, right? At this point of the season, um, let's go, Derek Forbert, in a second for Nikita Zadorov. And I
2: think I think that's where people on Twitter might have been getting upset because I think if you were to move Grizzlick for Zadorov, so I think much. a lot of a lot of people were saying that's. I know that they're two different players, but that's almost a bit of a lateral step, and they give up Grislik for Zadorov. Like I don't, you don't have to give up that much. I feel like, so I feel like if you were to move or or, or send a trade over that's built around Forbert, and then maybe trade Grislik on the side to get a right winger for that second line. Yes. I can get behind, I can get behind that. Okay. Depends who the right winger is, but I think, and I'm not saying this is what you were doing, but I think if to include. Grizzlick and Forbert in one trade for Zadorov, I think, is kind of batshit crazy.
1: All right. How would you go Derek Forbert? A second. You'd have to add something else. Oh, oh, yeah. Grizzly. Derek Forbert, Matt Grizzlick, <laughs> and a second round pick for Nikita Zadorov, Blake Coleman, and like a fifth. You get a little bit of a draft capital. You get your right wing and Blake Coleman. Um, Right now, Blake Coleman is at a $4.9 million AAV. Um, One second. Blake Coleman. Oh, he's a a left-handed center, though.
2: He doesn't answer the question of your second-line right winger position.
1: No, no, he's a right winger. And I'm sorry, wait. Yeah, this is saying that his salary is 2.9. Hang on, I got a little bit confused. Hang on a second. Let me let me look at his Elite Prospects page instead of just NHL because the NHL website is fucking ass. Um <laughs> Blake Coleman. Yeah, center. He's he's a center slash right winger. He's a lefty, but he plays the off wing. Um oh, today's his birthday. Today's his birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Blake Coleman. He took ruin. Um, but I mean, 32 years old. Yes, he's up there in age. Um 511 207 um his contract goes through 2026 2027 and, okay yeah his his AV is 4.9 um right now Coleman through bah, bah, bah. right now Coleman through 22 games he has 12 points um I don't know you just you the, if this Bruins team is gonna go anywhere this 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 April May June. You're gonna need a top six winger. You have to, and you're gonna yeah. get. You're gonna have to get heavier in the back end.
2: Yeah, and I don't. I don't know if Blake Coleman's that guy. I don't know if that's yeah. a trade that I would do. I would right. like. I, I. I've kind of. You. I've kind of bought into the Nikita Zadorov hype. I know we've talked about it before. I know he gets a shit ton of penalties, but. I don't know. I've kind of bought into your reasoning as to why you want him on the Bruins. I kind of miss having the big, bad Bruins defenseman. We've talked about it before. They've always had somebody like that. They had Adam McQuaid. They had Kevin Miller. They had Johnny Poichuk. They had Daniel Char. They've always had somebody who's big and could just hit people and could be tough and rough and make people scared to go in the corners. This, you know, the last couple of years, I know McAvoy's hard to play against. They have a lot of guys who are hard to play against. But to your point, they don't have that guy who... I feel like really strikes fear into guys when they're in front of the net, when they're in the corners. Right. And uh, like we're not saying you have to be Radko Gudas and scream in people's faces, but to have somebody like Nikita Zadorov I think, could be beneficial. Do I want to trade Grizzlick and Forbert in that trade for him? Absolutely not. No. Would I do a trade for for Zadorov that's built around Forbert? I would do a trade built around Forbert for a washing machine. Like I I would do that if it it makes sense for the Bruins, I would do that. And I don't know if Blake Coleman's the guy who's going to come in and be that second line right winger and push a team over the top. But I do think that there is somebody out there that you could you could swing with uh, Matt Grisick to have him join this team. And I think that that could be beneficial because this team does need a second line right winger. I think it gives them more flexibility because looking at the bottom six of this team, they're all lefties. It's ridiculous. Their centers are lefties. Their left wings are obviously lefties. Their second line right winger is a lefty. Get some righties on this team. Like what, what is going on? I didn't I didn't even realize they had
1: that many lefties until like we were trying to come up with hypothetical trades, and everybody on this team is a lefty. And don't get me wrong. I like my my guy isn't Blake Coleman. Like that's not the guy that I'm like begging to get, right? But when you're just in that in that moment, right when you're looking at a Nikita Zadorov trade, if you're looking to kind of get more out of it too than just Nikita Zadorov, the the winger on that team that makes the most sense is probably Blake Coleman. Uh maybe Andrew Magiapani too, but I don't know if if he's really comfortable on the right side. Um, I also he's really small too, and not for nothing. Right, but I think right.
2: if you had him on the right wing on your second line and Martian on the left wing. And Patra in the middle. Holy yeah, you're tiny.
1: I, they, yeah, that's like sure. the smallest line in hockey. It's like Pee Wee <laughs> hockey, dude. But like <laughs> at the same time, too, in the sense of bringing some some toughness and some grit and some just meanness on the back end. Look at the last game against Columbus of all teams. Um, McAvoy gets dumped in the corner. There's no answer. David Pasternak gets slashed in the stomach by the goalie after Pasta didn't even do anything. And and. Then Pasta has to answer for their goalie going after him. That would not happen with with a guy like Nikita Zadorov, uh, you know, a, a, a heavyweight on this team. You need it. Like, I'm so sick and tired of these people telling me like it's all. Listen, I'm sorry. It's always the people who are obsessed with analytics. Like, yeah, numbers are very valuable and they can tell you a lot for sure, but. You need to have these guys on the team who are going to stick up for your star players. I don't care if they get a penalty a game. Kill it off. I don't care. Have, we have a good penalty kill. Guess what? You can afford that for, for you know, guys not taking runs at your star players. I would rather have that and have one penalty a game from Nikita Zadorov than having goalies slash David Pasharok and no-name players taking out your stud defenseman Charlie McAvoy in the corner. Like... I'm sick of it, dude. You need these guys on the team. If you want to have it, this is hockey. This isn't baseball. This isn't basketball. You need to have guys who are willing to get in the faces of other players and and not strike fear because that sounds way too dramatic, but just to let the opposition know that if you do some, you know, if you step over the line a little bit, we have this guy in our lineup who's ready to step in and just fucking put you into the ice too. So you better think twice. And that's the door of who, who on this team is doing that right now. Give me one guy, one guy. I don't think I can. And it's not even Frederick because Frederick has been shying away from that style of play anyways of lately of of Mm -hmm. late. So other than, you know, he's not on the team anymore, rightfully so, but there's not that guy. Nobody on this team is willing to do that. And you're seeing them get pushed around. And by the way, their body language in this losing streak is disgusting. They it, it's it's like they're skating around and they just accept defeat and they're like, "You know what? Whatever. Like we're the Bruins, like we'll get them next time, blah blah blah." I'm like no you won't. Wake up. You're just because you're the Bruins and you had the record-breaking season of last year and because you started off hot in the beginning of the season doesn't mean shit. Get off your high horse. Get back on the ice and win these fucking games. Show some heart. Show some willingness to play. Get mean. Get gritty. And nobody on this team is willing to do that right now. And it pisses me off. (laughs) Sorry. That was a great... Listen,
2: no, listen. You've taken a lot of heat on Twitter for your Nikita Zadorov tweets. You Clip that shit, and every time anybody has anything to say to you, just respond with that. Because that was an excellent argument as to why the Bruins could use somebody like Nikita Zadorov, and I'm on the train, baby. Let's go. Who are we trading for him? I don't know, but get Nikita. That rhymed, but getting Nikita Zadorov, <laughs>
1: Nikita Zadorov in Boston. I love it. Yeah, that. that's just that's that's my thing. But so I mean. That and I didn't. Even, that all came from the heart, dude. That was just, tell, dude. You were like all, battle rapper. I could see the smoke coming out of your ears. You are ready to go. I was like Eminem at Eight Mile. Uh, <laughs> but parents. Right, so. <laughs> What's the line? He's a. He went to private. What is it? He went. He went uh, to Cranbrook. That's uh, a private school. He was in the London Knights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, shout out to Tommy. Um, wow, we got off the hinges on that one. Uh, yeah, we at, did. At TJ Bennett 37. Um, this next question comes in from uh, Professor of Puck. Shout out to uh, him. He just joined uh, Primetime Productions gambling segment on the uh, network. Follow him on Twitter at Professor of Puck. They've been hot lately. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to make some
2: money.
1: They said, is it time to hit the panic button? No. No.
2: Uh, If you ask me this question Friday morning, and if they just lost the night before, yes. Then I will be starting to be getting very concerned if they lose to San Jose. But right now, no, I'm not hitting the panic button.
1: I will say, I'm not hitting the panic button, right? Not hitting the panic button, but, and this is a big but, I'm hovering over it. I have a little like I have a little bit of a hover. If they lose to San Jose, that hover is getting a little bit closer. I'm like an inch away from the button. And then if they lose again to Columbus, I'm I'm in a panic. A little bit. A little bit you of a panic. I'm not I'm not hovering over the button, but I'm like
2: laying on the couch and so I'm going, Oh wait, where was that button again? Like I'm, you know, it's kind of jogging <laughs> in my memory. I haven't had to dig it out since I didn't even have to dig it out in the playoffs last year because they had a 3-1 lead. Right. I haven't dug it out in a couple of years. I am i don't even know where it is. It's probably covered in dust somewhere. But yeah, I'm starting to think about it a little bit, but I'm, I'm not panicked. I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm not concerned. There are definitely things about their game that I do not like right now that I'm afraid that they could get into bad habits. But we had that whole monologue at the beginning of the episode why yeah. it's an overreaction and we should not be worried right now. Now again, if they... if San Jose comes into town on Thursday and dog walks the Bruins and outshoots them and dominates the play and handily beats the Bruins. Not even handily. If they beat the Bruins, okay, then I'm frantically looking for the panic button because then I'm starting yeah. to get a little worried. But as of right now, <laughs> until that game, I'm saying no. But I'm sure that's also probably what Edmonton was saying. When they were having a dumpster fire over there and they say, okay, but thank God we got San Jose coming up. And they lost to San Jose and fired mm-hmm. their coach.
1: So, yep. You never know what happens. (laughs) Yep. No, literally. Um, So, yeah, shout out to uh, at Professor of Puck on Twitter. Go give them a follow if you're a gambling person. Even if you're not a gambling person, uh, go give them a follow. But this next question comes in from the Meat Man. Shout out. Shout out to the Meat Man. Shout out to Marty. Shout out to CrossCourt. Um, He asked, Bruins seem to be cooling off after a white hot start. Who gets shipped out? Do we stick with the roster we have? What do we do to get back to winning? I think the Bruins should be exploring whatever they have to do to get an upgrade on Derek Forbert. That's one. Number two, I think you have to bring up Lysel. I I think you got to bring up Lysel, at least for a little bit. See what he can give. I wouldn't mind seeing Lysel.
2: And it's interesting, too, because – I don't remember the last time the Bruins traded NHL talent because they've been making moves. They added a whole right. bunch of players last year, but I can't remember the last time they traded a player in season that was a it not not even an impact player, but somebody who was getting regular minutes in their their top nine, top four, top five defensemen. So right. moving Derek Forward, I think, would qualify as that. I mean, he's in the lineup pretty much every single night. Um but I really, I really don't know. I mean, it's a team that's been hesitant to move guys on their NHL roster, but obviously they could use some help. Um, I don't know. I think, listen, we've been banging the drum talking about Derek forward, getting moved for like two years now right. longer than that. And, uh, I don't know if he's got blackmail or what, but every single day he's walks in the TD garden and he's still wearing that black and gold. So I don't know. Could be him. Could be somebody else.
1: Yeah. Uh, so shout out to uh, Marty again, da, da, da. again at the meatman two five three. But this next question comes in from Ace. Shout out to, shout out to Ace. Shout out to Two Pad Stack again. Follow his podcast at Two Pad Stack Pod. Follow Ace on Twitter at Ace in six zero three. He said, "What did you guys think of the decision to pull Swayman after giving up only two goals to Columbus?" I think it was, I, I, dude. I think it was a good decision because. You're coming off two, a two game losing streak where the team played like shit. They seem to be sleepwalking through these games. They let up two quick ones against Columbus. Montgomery pulls Swayman. And now I don't think that was more. I think that was more of a wake up call to the team and not a knock on Swayman. I think that was more of Jim Montgomery saying, Hey, idiots. Like, we're playing a game right here. Like, wake up. We're, yeah. Swayman's out of this game. Only's going in, wake up. I like yeah. that. Because
2: I cause I, I, missed the game, but I did see that Swayman was pulled after giving up two goals, and I was surprised. I think when you hear a goalie gets pulled, immediately you think of, oh, my God, he sucked or he looked terrible. Didn't see the goals. when I can see he had 17 saves on 19 shots, so, like, not terrible, not which leads yeah. me to think I, I agree it might be what you're saying. I wake up to the team. I mean, these are the two guys who are the catalysts of your team, the two closest guys on the team, the guy that have been driving your success all season has been these two goalies. And you guys are sucking so much in front of him. Look, well, now I got to pull him out of the net. And I'm sure Swayman wasn't happy. And I would right. not be surprised if he said something or maybe let the guys hear it in the locker room. But um, I'm with you. And I wonder how Swayman feels about that, too, like being pulled. Because he, again, I, 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 all I can see is looking at the numbers, it looks like he didn't play necessarily bad unless the goals were weak. But um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like as a goalie, your natural reaction anytime you get pulled is that you're not happy. It's not good. You obviously
1: don't want to leave the net, but. I don't know. In terms of like what Swayman thought, I'm sure I'm sure he let the guys know. He was probably like probably more angry at the team, right? Because it's the team in front of him who's playing like crap. Swayman's not gonna stop everything. Allmark's not gonna stop everything. You it has to be a whole team effort. And I'm sure him and Montgomery had a conversation too after you know the game as to why he got pulled. And I'm sure it was for the same reason that we're saying right now. I'm I'm, I, like, I'm, I'm honestly 99% sure of it. Like swimming, wasn't playing bad that game. It was more of a wake up call to be like, guys, like, what are we doing right now? Like, this is not who we are. This is not how we play hockey. Um, I don't know what else to do right now outside of changing our goalies to try to get a reset on this game and maybe wake you guys up a little bit. I'm sure it was just that.
2: Yeah. And I feel like as a team, that's going to be embarrassing. I mean, you're you're blatantly selling your goalie dry to the point where your coach has to pull him from the game just to wake your ass up like that. I don't know. I mean, obviously it didn't help. The Bruins still lost, but hopefully there's something resonated with the team that this isn't okay. And the play you guys have been putting on the ice the last couple of games has been abysmal.
1: Awful. Um. Yeah, so shout out to Ace again at Ace in 603. If you want to follow his podcast as well, again, a part of the Primetime Productions Network, it's at 2pad Stack Pod. They drop on Tuesdays. Um, next question comes in from Poolside Pat at Poolside Pat1. Again, another pod on the uh, Primetime Network, A College FB Pod, College Football. Um, he said, actual level of panic after the holiday weekend. Let's give it on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most panic one being the least. Um, I'd probably say I'm at like a, a 3.85. Okay. I would say that's very specific. I would say it's at about a five. I'm going to say five. I'm teetering on, on the edge for both. Let's see what happens in the San Jose game. Um, but I'm not, happy watching these last three games at yeah, all <laughs> i'll say again if they if
2: i'm at a 3.85 maybe 3.87 right now <laughs> and if if they if if they lose the san jose that number of drums to probably an eight yeah. two then i'm getting then i'm sweating then yeah. i'm turning on the fan i'm putting the ac on i'm just getting a little hot in here
1: No, let me ask you a question what if they what if the bruins put up like Say like forty plus shots, um, and they lose. Say three to two in a shootout. Well,
2: how many shots is San Jose getting? Because <clears throat> I f- I feel like the last couple games the defense has sucked. Awful. The, we'll the say- goalies the goalies have looked terrible. So if the Bruins outshoot them like forty to twenty, and then you have to win in a shootout, well then I'm okay. You got two points, but I'm not exactly happy at how you got them.
1: Say they have like somewhere between 25 and 30, but they lose in a shootout. Oh, the Bruins lose in a shootout? Well, then I'm pissed. Right. If they lose at all, I'm pissed. San
2: Jose oh, sucks. They're, they're historically one of the worst teams in NHL history. Wait, well, let's. I just want to. They're 5 15 and 2. They have a negative 54 goal differential, and they are more importantly 0 and 9 on the road. They're coming Listen. into the garden. If they come, get their asses on a plane and fly across the country and beat the Boston Bruins, Listen. I said I wasn't at eight point two five. I didn't even. I I should have gathered my thoughts. I would be at a nine and a half. I would be pissed if they lose in any effort, overtime, shootout, regular regular time,
1: What's, <laughs> regulation. There we go. <laughs> <Regular time. laughs> Took me a minute. I would be pissed. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The fact that San Jose is 0-9 on the road leads me to have a very bad gut feeling that they're going to get their first road win in in, in Boston. They're not going to go 0-10. It gives me a really bad feeling.
2: And if it goes into a shootout, San Jose's 0-2 in the shootout. I mean, everything is stacking up to this being a dominating victory for the Sharks. I mean, if, if we're being honest, I mean, that's just how it goes as a Boston Bruins fan. The game you
1: should win, you lose. You know the what? game you have no business winning, you do. It's <laughs> it's the weirdest shit. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the Bruins are going to lose to the Sharks. <laughs> you Just know what? Because, and it's, but, but, but here's the thing. But it's going to... That is going to be like, um, you know, when a person hits rock bottom and they realize they're like, oh my God, like, I need to get my shit together. This is... I hate saying this, but I think this is going to be the Bruins' rock bottom, and they're going to be like, "Okay, all right, like let's let's go back to the drawing board." What the fuck is going on? And you know what? With with the Bruins' luck, too,
2: if they lost to San Jose, they would go into Toronto and probably lose that game, and that would be the game that would be the win that Toronto needed to just write the ship. That would be the game that
1: Toronto figures everything out to with the Bruins' luck. You know but what's crazy? I, what this is like. The first time in our in you and I's show history, where we're having an episode where the Bruins kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, I know it was <laughs> it was funny because I was I was I was like I've been scrolling through
2: Twitter the last couple of days like seeing like Bruins Mutuals saying stuff I've never seen them say before because it's right. always just been sunshine and then rainbows the last couple of years here as a right. Bruins fan and now like everybody's like this team sucks the Bruins suck. There's four players in the Bruins who know how to play hockey, and it's definitely looked that way the last couple of days. So, um, I don't know. I mean, if they lose against San Jose, it's not like they they have it easy because then they go to hop on a plane and fight a Toronto and play the Maple Leafs. And Toronto could be winless, and that is always a game that's going to get your blood pumping, getting people going. So, I don't know. But it sounds weird, but I feel like... uh, (laughs) a lot rides on this game Thursday against the San Jose Sharks.
1: Dude, and don't get me wrong I don't want the Bruins to lose I just have a really fucking bad feeling about it that's all it would be it would be such a Bruins thing I think what you're trying to say is it would
2: just be so on brand for the Bruins to to lose against the San Jose Sharks in Boston when they're 0-9 on the road 0-2 for in shootouts the Bruins just had the worst three games they've had in the last two years they have two days of rest this team is flying across the country and it's just so fitting that they would beat the Bruins
1: Yep. It's it's very similar to Edmonton. Like, oh my god, like we just lost to the worst team in history. Like shit. <laughs> but um, so shout out to Ace. But um this next question comes in from our boy Ethan 2.0. Follow him on Twitter at Incredible Mr. E7. Um, he, today's a three parter. No two parter, three parter. Three so We'll go we'll go in order. So uh Ethan two his first part. With the absence of Lucic and Brown being sent down, or sorry, let me rephrase. With the absence of Lucic and Brown being sent down, do we see any more of Steen to be with my boy Beach and Lauco? I hope so, dude. I like Steen. Yeah, Steen's look good. He's
2: look good. He's flying around out there. He's energetic. I like him. Yeah, I hope you see more of him. But I also wouldn't mind seeing like Mark McLaughlin. I know Lovell talked about. Georgia Makulov wouldn't mind seeing him. I know you threw out Fabian Lysel's name. I mean, the I feel like the Bruins have, like, a couple of these guys who are right on the cusp. Um, and I don't think it has to be Steen every night. But I've liked what I've seen from Steen so far. Yep.
1: Yeah, no, Steen scene is a good fit in that uh, fourth-line role. Um, and by the way, Lauko, uh, he hit the crossbar last game. But um, <clears throat> no goals. Through his uh, fourteen games this season, just yeah. Right.
2: You know who else? Interestingly enough, you know who else has no goals through his nineteen games this season.
1: Let me take a wild guess. Um, he's not a he's not
2: a Bruin. That helps. Oh, who? <laughs> Max Domi.
1: Oh, I saw that today. <laughs> he's yet to score for Toronto. That's <laughs> that funny. Tough. That is tough. Um, yeah. So, Ethan, Ethan's second part. He said, "How much longer till Lindholm?" wakes up, and finds his game. He's looking rough right now, even though all the blue line is, let's be honest, I'm not hitting the panic button yet, but God damn. Now, Lindholm, sorry, Lindholm, throughout his entire career, he hit, obviously, his uh, career high in points last season with 53 points. His previous career high was 34. I think last year was a bit of an anomaly I don't think that's gonna happen again I don't think that that's the player he is i think he's more around the 30 to 45 point player um defensively he hasn't looked that good either this year and that's <laughs> really weird because he had such a strong season last year and it's not like the defensive you know unit changed it's not like Jim Montgomery's system changed um I don't I don't know, man. I don't really know what to think of Lindholm right now.
2: Yeah, it's it's been weird because he hasn't... I wouldn't say he sucks. Right. Well, obviously, he doesn't suck. I wouldn't say that he has sucked. I think he's, he's still been a fairly good NHL defenseman. I think it's just you go into every game wanting to see the Hampus Lindholm you saw last year, and it seems like you see flashes of that at times, but other times it's like, what are you doing? Like, right. like, like he'll make a play that you that you would see, and I hate to always rag on him, but like Derek Forbert <laughs> Like, like there's like, times like Campus Lindholm is trying to break the puck out and he can't settle the puck, or he's sailing passes past people, and he's getting beat to the outside, and he's not the first guy to the puck. And it's like this isn't it's it's confusing. And if it it seems like every game we have to say, well, okay. Like you look at that, the the report card where it has you know, players' grades after the game, and you look at it and you go, okay, you know, Hampus Lindholm's getting back to the guy he was. Well, we're, you know, we're at game 21 here. Like, you know, he should have this shit figured out by now. And if it's, yeah, so if he's looking like this every single game, I mean, he's still better than he was in Anaheim, but he's definitely not playing like who he was last year. And to your point, maybe this is more of who he is this player who's an, he's a good player. He's a top-four defenseman. Yeah. He does struggle at times in his defensive zone. He can walk the line like anybody else, but he's just – he's not – like I always referenced the game last year against Pittsburgh. The game he had two goals when he picked up the puck and went end-to-end and went freaking bar down. I have not seen him once make any effort to recreate anything like that. Not saying that no. he does, but it's almost I, – I don't want to say it's a confidence thing, but he just—he just he just doesn't look the same. He doesn't look as comfortable as he did last year.
1: No, he just seems to have these like mental lapses where he's like panicking when the puck is on his stick, and I know that feeling because that was me throughout my whole high school career. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I don't want the puck! What do I do with it?" <laughs> so I see, I see him panic with it, and it's like, dude, just like, do you think, do you think maybe he needs a healthy scratch night where it's just like a mental reset? Honestly, I, I, I wouldn't hate. I mean. <sighs> And um, I'm not saying I'm I not saying that. that I'm not saying that as like a benching, right? Just like yeah. noticing that maybe he's like thinking too much, or that he's like just just needs a night to to mentally regroup.
2: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate that. I mean, you've they've tried for the last month and a half to let him play through it, see if he can figure it out, and he hasn't. And I, I'm like, I'm sure he probably recognizes that he's not performing to where he was last year. And right. again we're not saying that he sucks he's he's a top four defenseman for all things considered he's been good this year he just hasn't been great this is a guy last year who like people were making an argument he could have been in the norris conversation last year and i think if you ask 10 if you ask 10 people eight people would say no but he would get two people who would say yes and this year he's not even sniffing that conversation at all um so i don't know i mean maybe he's been overshadowed honestly he's been overshadowed a lot by brandon carlo too I'm amazing. amazing on both ends of the ice. I saw somebody tweet the other day, I don't remember who it was, but somebody tweeted like how they would fix the Bruins. Like, it was like step number one package Forbert Carlo. I was like, nope. nope. And I, yeah. I just, <laughs> just <out> the tweet. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, uh, Carlo is obviously their best defensive defenseman, he's got that zone on lock. But you could make it honestly for a player who's never been offensive, you could almost make an argument he's been better offensively than um his partner Lindholm has been this year. I mean, he's looked, he's been doing things in the offensive zone. I've never seen him do before. I don't recognize this man. He turned 27 and he's like, (laughs) screw it. He's just a totally different player. And, uh, he's, you know, he's always been great in the neutral zone. He's always been great in transition. He's always been great in the defensive zone. But what I've seen a lot from Brandon Carlo this year is his offensive play. He's been more confident. I think pinching in and going down the boards, walking the line. He's been more mobile in the offensive zone and, I don't know. Maybe that is or maybe uh Lindholm feels like he doesn't have to do as much because Carlo is emerging more as an offensive player this year. He's Carlo isn't going to get 40 points. He might not get 30, but his <laughs> career high, if I'm not mistaken, is 19. So he's he's been performing better offensively this year than he has in the past. So I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. But again, it's the same guy he played with all last year when he had his career year. So I don't know, but I would like to see some more out of Hampus Linholm, as I'm sure he would like to see some more out of himself.
1: Yeah. Um Ethan's third part hypothetical Zadorov package, when could you see it happening? Way before the deadline if we continue to slump, at the deadline, or somewhere around the normal time frame? Honestly, and I know pr- you know prior to the trade deadline trades don't usually happen in the NHL, but they do happen. Every now and then they do happen. If the team continues to slump, And with the way that the Atlantic division is shaping up, I mean, Detroit just got Patrick Kane Um, in terms of standings in the Atlantic division. Florida is four points behind the Bruins. Detroit and Tampa Bay are both tied with 25 points. Toronto is at 23 points. Buffalo is at 22 points. Montreal at 20 divisions tight. You can't really afford to have many losing streaks. And if you think that the team can improve by adding these guys prior to the deadline, and just kind of nip the problem in the bud, right? Maybe it does happen before the trade deadline. I think it's more likely to happen closer to the deadline, but I wouldn't rule it out happening beforehand. Um, and I know, I know, me, I'm a little biased because I've been on the, the Nikita Zadorov train since since the beginning, um, but I just. I don't really see another defenseman or another asset out there in the league that wants out that has a similar style of play than Nikita Zdorov. Um I would say in terms of when it happens, I would say closer to the deadline. Unless the slump really continues and then they might be forced to make a move.
2: Yeah, no, I'm t- I'm totally with you. I mean, if if you feel like you could make the if if you feel like if you made the trade tomorrow and your team would be better for it, then you make it tomorrow. Right. But if you don't have to make the move, then you don't make it. And like you said, if they continue to slump, you know, if they lose the next eight out of the next ten or some crazy shit, maybe then they pull the trigger if it's a player like Zadar or if it's a player like somebody else. But come trade deadline, everybody's picking up the phone and everybody's making calls. So right, I right. do, I I do, I feel fairly confident that the Bruins will make some sort of move this year, whether it be tomorrow or whether it be before the trade deadline. I just think that, um, honestly, the way they've looked the last three days, the next handful of games here could be really uh, dependent on when they make that move to your point. Yep.
1: Yep. All right. So shout out to Ethan again, incredible Mr. E seven. But this next question comes in from Island stew. You can follow him on Twitter at Guernsey stew 86. He said losing three games in a row isn't great, but overall, I think we were due for a rough streak. But losing five to two to the Blue Jackets, do we need to reshuffle the D? Does Grizz get moved? And then he goes, hmm, many beers in. So, I don't know. Um, I fully expected the Bruins to beat the Blue Jackets last night. I think that's where a lot of the... um, Panic is setting in among amongst fans, right? I think if, if you take the Detroit and the Rangers losses, you can kind of understand it being that they're two good teams, right? They're two teams that are contending for a playoff spot. Um, the Rangers in one hand can potentially, you know, contending for a cup. I don't know about the Red Wings yet. Um, but and either way, two good teams. But then the Jackets, I mean, eh can't lose two games in a row and then lose to Columbus. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we kind of talked about it already. Grizz. I mean, in, in my mind, yes, Grizz get mo- grizz gets moved, but only for the right package. Because like I said, Grizz is a good defenseman. Um, great puck mover. Great. You know, with McAvoy, um, you only move him for the right deal. Um, shake up the D. I don't know. I, I, what would you shake up on the defense? Like Grizzly and McAvoy are kind of solid. You can't really move Lindholm and Carlo. And then you got, obviously, you don't, you don't want Forbert in a top four role. <laughs> Kevin Shattenkirk either.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Bring, uh, I want to see Laura get called back up again too, damn it. He was Boom. so much fun when he was here. And, it, and like every, like it was, we talked about this last episode, but like one game he would be first on the report card. Next game, he was horrible, and and like I feel like you know, part. I mean, that's definitely growing pains. But I feel like watching him sometimes in those games where he's literally rated as the worst player on the ice. I feel like he doesn't always look it. Like, I Feels feel like, like a hard, if a player if, if a player really sucks, you can tell. And some of those grades he was getting was, like, almost off the charts. He was so negative. But, like, <laughs> dude, like, like, every time the puck's going to stick, the guy makes plays. And for a player his age, and more importantly, his size, to skate and move like that and have the offensive vision, it, when he figures it out defensively, when he – he's going to be amazing. And – like he has there's more than enough guys, whether it be in the coaching staff or already on this roster who can take him under his wing and help, you know, teach him the the nuances of playing defense in the defensive zone or even transitioning neutral zone as an NHL defenseman because he, he could honestly probably pull any, any of those defensemen in the Bruins locker room and teach them a thing or two about how to play offense as a defenseman because right. what Mason Lohar is doing in the offensive zone, just with the puck on his stick, the guy's a magician. The other night against Montreal, I remember you were talking about it, and it was also right in front of me, which is really cool. But when he did that little like 360 like pirouette with yes. the puck on his stick in the offensive zone, it's a, it's a incredibly impressive play for anybody to make. But for a guy who's like six foot six to so effortlessly move like that with a puck on his stick in the offensive zone, bonkers, bananas. Dude, and I understand why he got called down, but I would love to see more Mason Mori.
1: Dude, and not only that, right? But like, I feel like in this year, right? This year out of all years, I think it's important to have a mixture of these young guys and also these veteran guys, right? And. Because one, the young guys are playing to stay. They're gonna play hard every night, no matter what. Sure, they're gonna make mistakes, right? They're absolutely one hundred percent gonna make mistakes. But having them in this lineup with guys like Marshawn, and McAvoy, Pasternak, um, Lindholm, and and two great goalies, it's gonna it's gonna push them to play harder, and they they want to stay on this team, which in turn will make the team perform better. And as I said before, when Laura was in the lineup we were winning we were winning games bring grizz back and i know he's i know he's coming back from injury so he's still getting acclimated back to the lineup but i think that the defensive unit looked better with Lori um so that's i think that's going to be ha- something that you know they're going to have to look into and god damn it i think grizz gets moved the more we talk about it i think he gets mm, moved i could see I, it you know what's interesting really I'm,
2: I'm looking at um plus minuses right now I don't know. People say what they want to say. Plus minus isn't a defensive stat. You know, Charlie McAvoy is a negative right now. He's a minus two.
1: Really? Yeah. No, you know who the
2: know the Bruins currently have three defensemen who are negatives. McAvoy is one of them. Can you guess the other two? Um, Derek Forbert. No. Wow. All right. Derek Forbert I, is actually
1: a plus seven. Wow. Uh, Second highest on the team. Uh, wow, that just shows how useless that status. is. Um, <laughs> um, Kevin, Sh- no, Lindholm is definitely one. Hampus Lindholm is a plus
2: five. And also, this I mean, this will narrow it down. Hampus Lindholm is a plus five. His defensive partner, Brandon Carlo, we were talking about how good he is defensively, plus 12. Four. Far and away the oh. highest plus minus on the team.
1: So what, Shattenkirk and
2: and Grzlick? Shattenkirk's a minus two in... Mason Lorai in 10 games is a minus three, which I feel like is a little surprising because the Bruins didn't start. I mean, he wasn't really here when they were going through their skid there. Like you said, they were winning games when he was called up. So,
1: look, if the team is winning, screw it. Why are you changing things? If the team is winning, yeah. why are you changing things? Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know, man. It's such a know, weird I mean, time. Somebody had to get called down for
2: Mac Rizek to come up. And it makes. Right, sense. And they had to. I mean, they had. It had- to. Yeah, it it had to be Lorai. It couldn't really be anybody right. else, but we're at the point now where if Lorai is making this team and if he's playing NHL minutes, somebody has to be traded. I mean, and I you're obviously not going to be trading Hampus Lindholm. Right. You could trade Grizzlick, but the one who would make the most sense is to trade Derek Forbert.
1: Yeah. But just, again, though, like who's going to who's going to take just Derek Forbert?
2: You have nobody, to add something. <laughs>
1: right? Right. You have to <laughs> add something. You have to, and that's the thing. And here's the thing, too. It's like when you're looking at trade partners, Calgary with Nikita Zadorov makes sense because you're exchanging a player who's on their last year of their deal for another player who's on their last year of their deal. You're it's it's and then and then in terms of like what Calgary would want back to and with Derek Forbert. You're adding in a pick or something like that. And this team is, you don't need picks right now. Your team is young ish with Patra Lysel, uh, Laura, McLaughlin. I regret that. I don't want to say McLaughlin. Merkulov, um, um, Steen. Like you have these young guys in the system. It's fine. And talking about Nikita Zadorov, too, he's a younger guy himself. I think he's either uh, somewhere in the range of 26 to 28 years old. Um, so you're getting younger in terms of that too. 28. Twenty-eight, boom. So you're you're getting younger, and you're upgrading forward. Granted, you lose a pick, but it's it's fine. I mean, you can make that up in other in other ways. Um, I don't know. This team has holes, and you're going to have to get creative in ways that you can plug those holes and improve on them. I think you're fortunate you're actually not even fortunate. You're extremely lucky that Matthew Patra exploded onto the scene the way that he did. And he's at least proving not to be a handicap in the NHL lineup. Sure. He might not be as productive as you may have hoped, but he's also not weak in the defensive zone. So he's at least reliable as a, as a third slash second line center. I don't know. There's a lot of question marks right now. There's a lot of question marks. We'll see. I remember.
2: Um, I love Matthew Patra, but I remember like after like game six, everybody was comparing him with, uh, jokingly, but with Connor Bedard's numbers. Right. I think right. I think Bedard's got like. Last I checked, he had like seventeen points in eighteen games, and right now Patra has ten points in twenty-one games. So uh, unfortunately, yeah. I will I will rest my. I will you know. <laughs> Rest of my case, I will.
1: I will admit that
2: Conor Bedard is a better player, <laughs>
1: but I do love, still love Matt Patra. But I mean, at the same time, though, like this was expected. Like you're not gonna, like yeah. if anybody realistically expected Matthew Patra to put up like more than sixty points, I mean, give me what you're taking because I want. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He was.
2: He's probably never in his career going to be a point per game player. Although I don't know, he could develop. But no, hey, yeah. Bedard seventeen and nineteen. <sighs> I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. But yeah. again, for anybody to expect him to put up godly numbers as a nineteen-year-old who never even played professional hockey until a month and a half ago—it's a little crazy. Yeah, it's a little
1: crazy. Yeah. Um, so don't don't like don't take this as like a ragging on Patra because that's not what it is. It's it's just kind of like yeah, like this is what we expected. Like this is just what a nineteen-year-old rookie in the NHL is is you know if he's on the team, this is what he's expected to do. And, and he's not playing bad. He's, he's going through a little bit of, I know he scored against Columbus, but in terms of like, maybe the last like 10 games, he's going through a little bit of like a production drought, but that's not like a cause for panic. That's just a 19 year old, you know, figuring out how to play in the, in the league. But um, so yeah. So shout out to Guernsey Stew 86 on Twitter. Um, Next one comes in from Daniel Price at Daniel Price 92. He says, Marshawn has been poor since the back end of last year. What's the solution for him? Line change, maybe? It could be. I, don't I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate
2: seeing him and Pasta go on different lines. I don't know what that would look like. And, and to your point, too, I know you were talking about splitting them up offensively. But I think it's also realistic to understand that he is 35 years old. He has right. had a couple of major injuries to his hips. Yep. And I don't know. I mean, these things happen. I think you saw last year he wasn't... He didn't look like, he was still a great player. He's still Brad Marchand, but he wasn't the Brad Marchand that was getting 100 plus points per season. He's not like the 38 goal scorer, Brad March. He's just not that guy anymore. He's still an right. effective player, but um, I think that's just part of aging in the NHL. I mean, how look around the league. Corey Perry's 35. I mean, before he got removed from the Blackhawks today, he wasn't, doing what brad marshall is doing statistically i mean there's right. plenty of players around the league who would die to be in brad marshall's position right now he's still a fantastic player but um you know he's just not a hundred point player anymore
1: right yeah it, it, it's just it is what it is maybe maybe like we i mean we kind of mentioned it earlier like just split him and him and Pastrnak knock that's what you're gonna have to do which is why you're gonna need another top six forward but um i'm not worried it's it's marshall he's getting up there in age um it just it is what it is. He also He'll has
2: nineteen. He also has nineteen points in twenty one games. So he's right. still he's he's still been good this year.
1: Right. It's I like think
2: it's also. It, yeah. It's also realistic though to understand that you you know he is thirty five coming off a couple major injuries, so you could see a fall off in his game. And I know you yeah. saw that a bit last year. So
1: yeah,
2: exactly. I, I I think I think our our preseason. Um, I think my pre, We both had preseason goals for him. I think I projected him to get like eighty eight points this year. Yeah, I think I'm still feeling kind of good about that, but uh, his I mean, career has 36 goal, 39 goals. I don't know if he's gonna be knocking 40 anytime soon, but we'll yeah, see. but I
1: mean, 88 points is around the same ballpark. I would <laughs> say maybe maybe around like 75, 70 to 75, and that's not you yeah. Know, and those are those are all.
2: those are great numbers. Forget being 35; those are great numbers for any player.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, just let's all take our expectations that we have and like bring them back down to r- reality a little bit. And I don't mean I don't mean you. I just mean like just everybody in general. Let's let's just pull our expectations in and realize that this is not last year, and just expect a hard-fought season from the Bruins. But, anyways, shout out to uh, Daniel Price. Follow him on Twitter at Daniel Price ninety two. Um, final couple of questions here Frederick for MVP at Frederick underscore MVP could DeBrusque see himself being moved I think We kind of touched on that earlier um, Maybe in a Package you know I, I, I don't know maybe He is on an expiring Deal um, the Bruins are going to have To resign him I don't know how many teams are going to be Wanting to re- trade for a guy who's on A you know Expiring contract but um, do you have any thoughts on that one? No, I'm with you.
2: I could see him getting moved, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shopping Jake Brush just to shop him. If teams right. call, that would listen. But I, you know what he's capable of. He's just. I think Jack said it again. He just needs to find a way to put
1: the puck in the back of the net. <laughs> right. Yeah, and especially when you're so weak on the wings. Um, this next question comes in from our boy Johnny O. Follow him on Twitter at Johnny O underscore seven, seven, seven. Way to be, baby. Getting it in on time. <laughs> um, he said, hi, DM for the show. Bruins had a three game losing streak last year too. And everyone lost their mind. Thank you for pointing that out. Like legit, not being sarcastic. Um, Are you sold on this team having what it needs to make playoffs? I think we need a legit winger. Goes B, Go bees. Well, Johnny, Johnny on the spot. You hit it right up <laughs> the nail on the head. Need a winger. Um, I think this team does have what it takes to you know, make the playoffs. Um, but you need a winger. You need a defenseman. Those are my two. Going back to Megan's question, those are my two on my Christmas wish list.
2: Yeah, they, they definitely have enough to make the playoffs. But uh, you don't play the game to make the playoffs. You play the game to win the Stanley Cup. And I think that they could use some help in that aspect. Um, we already yep. talked about it. I think if they could get, again, second line right winger. And I know you want to beef up the defensive unit. I wouldn't hate that either. But uh, yeah, the way that they're built right now, definitely a playoff team. But you're in it for the cup, baby. They in could use some the help cup. there.
1: So shout out to Johnny O. Again, on Twitter at Johnny O underscore seven. Last two questions here. Um, this one comes in from MQ. First time DMer. Shout out to you. Hey, um, shout out. Follow them on Twitter at QSTERCT. Shout out Connecticut. Um, how can we get Marshy back to his peppy chipper self? Have to think the captaincy is weighing on him. I kind of agree with that. I think I think that it's weighing him down a little bit. Um, he's the kind of player that plays on the edge, and I think having the C on his chest kind of takes that away from him a little bit. You know, like like almost as if, and 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 this isn't saying that. You know, it's wrong for the front office to say this, but as a captain, you're kind of expected not to be the player on the edge. Um, So they probably told him, like, kind of tone it down a little bit and maybe not be your rowdy self. I don't know if that's the right, you know, phrasing, but I I think it is weighing him a little bit. Yeah,
2: no, I know what you're saying. And it's interesting, too, because I remember um, when Marshawn was first made captain, people were talking about... um, Oh, he's gonna have to dial it back. Oh, does Marshawn have to change his ways and not be as out there anymore? Now he has a C in his chest, and now here we are. Does he have to do the exact opposite? I think yeah, people are saying. Yeah, I think he needs to be do a little more out there, get under people's skin again. Right. I would like. I, I would like to see him get more um, ratty. I don't know. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like do what he's always done his entire career, but I also understand that he it's not just. You know Brad Marchand, left winger for the Boston Bruins, who's licking faces. We always go back to that licking faces, or or, you know being chippy. It's now Brad Marchand, the captain of the Boston Bruins, is doing that. So I do, I do think that you do have something there, and maybe that's weighing on him a little bit. Maybe wanting to not be as towing the line with some of the stuff that he does. But at the same time, I feel like especially right now, the Bruins could use somebody like that. And right. maybe maybe we'll see it next game. He'll go back to his old ways. But I do think he's definitely dialed it back a little bit this year.
1: And I will say, too, like this might just be like a little learning curve for him. Right. Like he's he's never captained this team before. Like, sure, he's worn the A, but that's not the same thing. I have always said this. I don't want him to change his game just because he wears a C. Like he got to where he is because of who he is as a player. Like, don't change your game just because you have the C. Do the same stuff that you always have done. I don't care. Like, be chippy. Be an agitator. Be an asshole. I don't care. That's who you are. That's why we love him. Right, and that's what makes him a successful player. So, if I'm – I mean, if I'm talking to Brad Marchand, I'm telling him, like, just play your game. Just be who you are and just just do what you've always done and be on the edge. Play on the edge. Do what you do. Um so yeah, so shout out to uh MQ again at Q S T E R C T. Um, last question here is from Charlie Coyle enthusiast. You can follow them on Twitter at S D Sports Talk thirty seven. They said, one, what does the team need to do to get Marshawn comfortable shooting again? I say break him up from pasta, put him on a line with somebody else, spread out that scoring. You know, be that guy on the on the line that's expected to score.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. And it's weird too. It I honestly, I might show you how important. I mean, we already knew how important Bergeron was. But um, I don't know. I feel like, oh, did you hear that? Yeah. My Alexa just went off. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's been moments where the offense has not been stagnant. But um, I think that you could definitely use some help in separating those two guys together. I know Poss has been having a out-of-world year this year. And Marshawn is almost there, too, at a point per game. So I could see them separating them. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like, I almost want to put Patra on the first line and say, yeah, I want to see what that looks like too. Or, yeah. Because I know we, when we were coming up with like hypotheticals when the season first started, um, I think I might have put Patra on my first line. So, like, screw it. Let's see what he does. Yeah. I think and, we both did. Yeah. And, and Zaka's been great as a one C this year. He's been playing really well, especially his, him and Pasta. I mean, there's a reason Pasta's doing what he's doing again this year despite not having Bergeron anymore. Zaka's played that role fantastically but yep. um i don't know i almost want to see what posture can create when he's playing 1c but i don't think they're in a position where they just say screw it and blow the lines up but um i mean if the last three games are indicative of anything i think that they might need to make some moves or to maybe shake some stuff up because it's just getting a bit stagnant and uh and that's also it's not unique to this team like i know like when they had a the perfection line here that's why i was referencing bergeron like the same shit happened back then too it's just part of hockey sometimes you just got to make some changes to lines and just get light the fire under your guy's butt and see what happens right and uh i don't know i mean i think i think offensively uh the only two guys you can say i mean there's been a lot of good guys charlie Coyle too is a guy we haven't even mentioned he's having a fantastic year Mm -hmm. and you tweeted his numbers the other day he's like almost at a point per game which is like ridiculous for charlie Coyle. right Um, so there there are guys who are playing well it's just I don't know. It just gets a bit stagnant. Things get clogged up sometimes, and that's when you got to shuffle people around.
1: Yep. And then part two, he said goaltending. If it doesn't improve from recent results, what is the plan? It's very clearly crucial to team success. I mean, you got. I, I don't think Call there's anything. See. You, yeah. I'm scared. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's anything you can really tweak. Is you just got to ride it out. They're fine. They're two elite goalies. They're fine. Yeah. I mean, if you
2: if you were to move, like who who would you get? Who are you gonna Vasilevsky? Are you gonna bring in? That's better. Than, that's better than Swayman or Olmark. Nobody. Home Nobody. I don't know. Vasilevsky just came back, so no. I, I agree. I think you just gotta kind of write them out and trust the guys that they'll get back to their old ways.
1: Yeah. Um. Number three, with a lot of asterisks, he, he said Derek Forbert, Dot. 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 And we touched on that a lot. So. Oh yeah. L-
2: listen. It and it always kills me because I every episode I flip. Flip flop back and forth. Last episode, I had this whole thing about how I was back on the Derek Forbert trade. I love Derek (laughs) Forbert, but that was before I saw the last week of games. (laughs) Derek Forbert has not looked good recently. So, nope. And 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 he's he's capable, but um, just I think he's just being more consistent. Right. Or, or maybe it's not even his fault. I mean, he struggles against faster teams. He's just not built for it. He's a big guy. He's slow. He's a job skater. It's just how it is. He's good at what you need him to do. He's great on the penalty kill. But um, I don't know. I just, especially in the Atlantic Division, with the, the number of offensive weapons, not even in the Atlantic Division, the whole Eastern Conference is a freaking wagon. With the number of offensive weapons that are in this conference, when the playoffs come around, I think consistently... Like skating out Derek Forbert every single night, you saw it last year in the playoffs. It was a it was a disaster, and you can't just blame Derek Forbert for that. The whole defensive unit sucked last year, but I don't know. I, it, this has been something that I think a lot of Bruins fans have been looking at upgrading for a while, and um, I don't know. I mean, how many
1: times do you have to keep talking about it before it finally happens? <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, um. Hey, shout out to you guys, shout out to the DMs. Um, you guys are the best. Very thankful for all of you for for tuning in every week and listening to the show. Um, without you guys, we wouldn't exist. Um, you guys push us to to keep putting out episodes every week. Um, keeping up with each other throughout the season. Um, it's it's been a great 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 experience doing this for the past year and a half and we're going to be doing it for a very long time, you know, in the future. So um, hopefully the Bruins break this, break this losing streak. Um, they get back to their winning ways, figure things out and, um, yeah, just continue to play Bruins hockey and, and, and everything that means to, you know, represent that be on the Jersey. Um, but again, I wanted to, I do want to remind everybody that we are brought to you in partnership with the one and only primetime productions. You can follow them on, twitter at primetime prods to keep yourself updated with all new articles all new podcasts mlb nfl nba nhl gambling everything there um again at primetime prods you follow our twitter um at Bruin something no g at the end our youtube at something's Bruin, which hopefully we'll be back to posting on <laughs> um but hey you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan, and you can follow Nick on Twitter at Melanson <laughs> underscore. Um, Nick, you want to read the voicemail
2: on? Yes. You can call us any time of the day. We always say it rain, sun, snow, sleet, tornado, hurricane, tsunami, flood, doesn't matter. Voice line's always active. You can call us at 508 263 0854. 508 263 0854. It's not just for Lowell. Any of you guys can call us anytime. (laughs) Leave us a question about the Bruins, about life, about anything. I don't care. Sully and I like to talk, so just
1: shoot the shit, leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it on the next episode. Boom. There you go. Um, Yeah, so, hey, again, thank you guys for listening. Um, We will be on our regular weekly uh, episode drop days of Wednesday going forward. Um, Tuesday night recordings, Wednesday night drops. Give us a call give us a dm give us a you know anything on your mind just let us know um after games during games give us a call give us your live reactions um we want to get more of that on the show too so if you guys have an initial thought instead of screaming out into you know thin thin air scream into our voicemail line and we'll play it on the podcast um, but outside of that episode 68 of the Something's Brewing Podcast. As always, brought to you by the one and only Primetime Productions. I'm Mike Sullivan. On my right is Nick Mollanson. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.
0: It just takes some time little i in a little out the ride Everything, everything, will be just fine Everything, everything will be
1: alright, alright All right. So one, two, three. Take me to church.